Cool. Okay, well, we don't have to start right into it, but okay. uh, actually, yeah, maybe let's do start right into it. Absolutely. Okay, well, thank you for being here. I see you got some notes yourself. Huh? I did. I'm yeah. excited. Me too. Yeah, chatting Wonderful. with you yesterday was uh, really invigorating. Your attitude super positive, and I guess where I want to start off, usually I give like a structure of the intro, what uh, the episode's going to entail, so I guess I'll give a little bit of your background. So you've just, like you said, recently established pro status in the bodybuilding circuit as of June 1st, yeah. which is an amazing feat. Um, so today we're going to cover pretty much everything fitness surrounding bodybuilding and the body and just general overall health, empowerment, uh, women's empowerment, what it takes to get to that status. Um, also... I kind of want to relate to the listener. If you're not into bodybuilding, what I love about your life and just analyzing it over the past week prior to you coming, it's like I have passions of my own and I find what you've done from your journey is so counter-transferable to whatever you might want to do. So say you're into fashion, say you're into business, say you're into whatever, a different athletic style. You can take what you've done, and it's like anything, right? You so, know that, and I'm sure yeah. those lessons have come along the way for you through this journey. And that was—it's funny that you say that because I was asked to speak at a women's summit two years nice. ago. So that was just after I had set the goal of becoming a pro. Where so was, was the, the summit? Um, it was Charlotte Brown when she was running One Woman in Town. Okay. So she asked me to speak. Um, it was a ticketed event um, at the uh, Victoria Inn. Nice. And it was, she brought speakers from overseas. Mm -hmm. She had speakers from, she had a speaker from New Zealand. Nice. Um, there were some incredible speakers. There was um, one of the women that runs Paro Women's Center. She was a okay. speaker. It was incredible. Mm -hmm. So I was just flattered to be asked to do it. And so when I was asked, I really wasn't sure because I hadn't hit that status that I wanted to hit in bodybuilding mm -hmm. yet. I didn't feel accomplished enough to be among those women. Mm -hmm. But I agreed to it. And that's what my talk was about, though, was mm -hmm. goal setting and turning your goals into action and it didn't I didn't just specifically talk about bodybuilding I didn't just say you know if you're going to pursue athletics this is how you do it, mm -hmm. it I, that's what I wanted it to be I wanted to make sure that it transferred into women who are setting huge goals for themselves mm -hmm. but how to action them nice. and that's what, what the title of my speech was nice. and because if you're if you're burning with a passion in some way mm -hmm. what are you going to do about it Mm -hmm. Right. I love that. Because what are you gonna do about it? We, we were just talking before we went recording. Is I'm a child and youth worker by trade, so mm -hmm. I work with teenagers. I work with youth. I just love the philosophy of goal setting. To me, it's been my life was in the shitter about I would say 15 years ago, and I came back to Thunder Bay with nothing. Wow. But and my brother gave me, and it sounds cliche, but a Tony Robbins box set DVD, and I said. Hey, what's the worst that can happen? Right. Listen to this info. <laughs> but the only CD I ever really held on to from there was the goal-setting CD. Yeah. And it's made the biggest difference in my life. But I could talk forever about my goal-setting strategies. I want to hear yours. Yeah. Tell me what your philosophy... Because when we were talking on the phone last night, that was so cool. When you said 10 years ago, you had this. And that's what the goal-setting DVD talked a lot about is one, three, five, and 10-year goals. Yes. You know, three years are generally the, what they say the easiest to kind of conceptualize because they're yep. not too far in the future, you know, like... And that's sort of how long it took me to get to that pro status, mm -hmm. four years. You know, you set that goal. I kind of touched on it in three years. I was super close. The mm -hmm. first time I went to... The second time I went to a national level show, I was inches away from getting my pro card. Mm -hmm. And it was that burn of not getting it that mm -hmm. set that fire even brighter, right? Mm -hmm. Because I think that's the hugest part of goal setting as well is failure is a part of it. Yes. And you have you ever seen that meme that describes what failure, what success looks like? It's not a straight line like everybody no. thinks it is. No. It is a 
straight line. You might go up, you might go down. Then you got all these squiggles somewhere in the middle. Yes. And then it's a slow climb because it doesn't always look like a steady straight line. It's not. You might have a point A, point B that you want to get to, but it's never going to be boom, boom. And it shouldn't be because you should experience failures along the way, Mm -hmm. right? Those setbacks make you better. They make you overcome. They make you a better strategizer, right? Mm -hmm. All that goes along with goal setting. So I think, you know, you you did pose that question to me and I made some notes on it as far as, um, you know, having no excuses. Because Mm -hmm. for me, a champion mindset, like you're going to get through no matter what's placed in front of you, what barriers, what boundaries. Mm -hmm. And throughout having to diet and throughout having to prepare for all my shows i've had things i had to go away for work for a training seminar for five days Mm -hmm. i had to pack about 10 pounds worth of food Mm -hmm. all my food i prepped it all i didn't leave it there was there was buffet style food that entire time i was there It was a banking course Mm -hmm. so i went away to this really fancy like resort getaway beautiful gym which was the savior because i could still get all my workouts in so i would get up in the morning before classes i would do my cardio in the morning i think i was about seven weeks out of a show so that's when it does start to get a little bit tougher Mm mm-hmm I actually reached out to the course director ahead of time, letting her know that I'd need a fridge. They made special arrangements, but they couldn't get a microwave for me. So my entire week that I was away, I ate cold food, cold egg whites, cold chicken, like it was awful. Cold cold bodybuilding food, I don't imagine someone to get it all. I didn't, honestly, it didn't even faze me because Mm -hmm. I knew that what I was doing was going to get me closer to my goal. Mm-hmm. And there was just a no excuses mentality. Mm-hmm. So av- when everybody would, after class, when everybody would head down for supper, I would go for a workout. Mm-hmm. But what was even better was when I did reach out to the, cold, the, the course director, she embraced it. And she said, every year we kind of pick a candidate that has like various skills and we kind of get everybody together. And we, she said one year we had a guy who used to love to play the guitar. So we all got together and sung songs and he played the guitar for everybody. And she actually staged a mini little bodybuilding show for me. No There's a theater in the conference center. Yeah. And... She got everybody and she printed off score sheets. Like I told her sort of the criteria that happens for bodybuilding. Yeah. And this whole little class got around. I did a little routine and like a sports bra and a pair of shorts and flexed. And like to have everybody and like there was guys coming up to me after that were a part of that class that were Mm -hmm. just in awe. Right. Like how many times do you lift and what do you take and what do you, you know? Yeah. All those questions that go along with it. And what, what is your diet like? And, um, so they handed me that and then they got me a medal and they gave me a medal after like, it was the cutest thing in the world. That's super sport. But did it help fuel my goal? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause they saw that I wasn't going to make excuses. I wasn't going to cave. It mm-hmm. was a part of what I was trying to accomplish. You put it out there. Yeah. And yeah. You, yes. And I point. had people support me, which is, which is another thing I believe that, when you're going to set goals, you have to share them with people. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't want to be blasting it everywhere and letting everybody know that these are these grand schemes that you have. Mm-hmm. But I think the people important to you in your life, if you don't share them with them, how can they get on board and support you? Exactly. If they don't know, if there's no awareness there. So I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people is a gigantic part of success and goal mm-hmm. setting. Um, I have a small little girl gang, you know, that we lived I with. Know. And 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 before that, it wasn't it didn't matter they were whether they were bodybuilders or not. And I think that's another thing that ties into that is um you had asked sort of um why I think, you know, the success of of 
fitness in general in Thunder Bay is getting better. Predominantly with females yes. as well. Because that's where we were talking largely about the, the, the female presence in the gym, especially with heavy weightlifting, mm-hmm. wasn't there. I would say almost it correlates mm-hmm. with your journey, I would say. Because I've, I've been in the gym for a long time. and Yeah, I won my first deadlift competition in 2007. That's, so yeah, that's a very long time. Years, it was 12 years. Wow. And prior to that, there wasn't a lot of, like, I was, there was me and another female, and that mm-hmm. was it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you put it out there to, fe- there'd be, probably be between 10 and 20 females that would show up and pull some big numbers. Mm-hmm. And back then it was, and it, and the ladies that were competing were women that were older, like weightlifters that had been around quite a long time. I was fairly new. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think a lot of it has to do with obviously the availability of media. Mm-hmm. CrossFit has become so big. Mm-hmm. Now I know CrossFit has a bad rap. But what people are seeing is women do the exact same exercises as the men, sometimes scaled down in weight, not always, mm-hmm. but they're, they love that they're seeing strong females smash it. Yes. Right? Yes. And that's it what is, I've it's noticed. incredibly empowering. It's super empowering. That's what I've noticed with that, exactly that methodology you're talking about, the CrossFit kind of workouts, the clean and jerks, the deadlifts yes. and stuff is women are feeling like, wow, it's just this confidence shift. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've noticed with you. And I want to get back to that with the female presence in that community yeah. that we were talking about, because it's so important. Um, but back to that goal setting thing yeah. you were talking about, like, do you have a specific, because uh, I know I teach, I teach you this all the time and it's my passion goal setting. So I have a specific strategy I use. Do you have a specific methodology? I don't have a specific med- methodology but what doesn't work for me is typing it out okay i have to write it out with a pen and paper. yes 100 percent. it is fully... so humongous uh-huh. to see your own handwriting rather than on a computer screen or even on your phone like making a list in your notes or whatever as an app that's fine write it down yes and put it in your face it, that alone and that's what they talk about there's a connection with the brain yeah. the, the the philosophers the entrepreneurs i've looked at there's a connection from the hand to the brain and i see your binder and if you look over that purple one over there i carry it everywhere i go there's the sheets so many are falling out and yep. there, there's a little bit of everything but i have to write it mm-hmm. I, I i put loose notes in my phone when i get a, a spark idea yes. when i'm out and about and you know oh geez i got this spark a little idea, brainstorming a little yes, brainstorm but sure. then when i get back it's all handwritten so yes mm-hmm. writing it down i don't know it sets the intention so different. So mm-hmm. draw back to that 10 years that you were speaking about, because this is almost, I would imagine, the beginning of the journey. You said at the post high school, you were talking and you and I are the same age. And well, I high, school say, ago, high school was a while ago. High school was a while ago. I know. But you know what? That's also I, the incredible part, what I love about your story, and I think it's going to come through in this conversation, is you're a blueprint. You're a blueprint for the other, I'm just going to say it, the 35-year-olds who are thinking, man, what, because we're the same age, like, oh, you know, life is kind of, I maybe missed the boat on a lot of stuff. I know I've even felt that way in a lot of ways. Like, damn, I wish I would have gotten to jiu-jitsu younger, martial arts. Well, I was a martial arts younger, but more dedicated and disciplined. I could have gone further places, but no, I can go there now. My first and you've gone there show. now. Yeah. You're there now, pro. First That's- one, first time I stepped on stage, I was 32. So they're really, you know, I, did I lift a long time? Yes. Did mm-hmm. I always know that I would get on stage? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in high school, I alluded to, you know, there was the funny question, like future ambition. And I think I put 
a fitness competitor mm-hmm. because then the fitness division was where I really wanted to go. Fitness sort of encompasses, um, it's a little bit of a different look. It's a little bit of a less muscular look, mm-hmm. but it encompasses a routine with like jumps and handsprings and handstands. Yes. It's, an, it's a completely athletic routine that you're also scored on. It typically has a theme. It's like a really fun division. Mm-hmm. As I got older, that was a division that I didn't think I could compete in because I didn't think my body could keep up. Mm-hmm. So that's why I picked the division that I did. But that was the division. I, I have a DVD at home from Fitness Olympia from like 2002. You know, mm-hmm. I ordered it. I, I have stacks and stacks of Oxygen magazine from when I was in high school. Nice. And I still have them. And I think you asked me, you know, where did it come from? Where did it start? How far back did the those, passion? Yeah. That's where did those he, goals come yeah. from? And honestly, that was the epitome for me. The women in those magazines, the look of the muscle, mm-hmm. that to me was the ideal female physique. That was the motivation. That was it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would take those pages out. I would take those pages with me and do the workouts. The suggested, you know, eating cottage cheese and fish and taking the diets from those magazines. Mm-hmm. I did that mm-hmm. way back when, mm-hmm. you know, got into protein powder when protein powder was absolutely disgusting back then. It tasted mm-hmm. like chalk. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked at Nutrition House when no I was way. 21. The original Nutrition House? The original house? Nutrition House. Wow. I worked at the athletic club when it was the athletic club. Yeah. You know, I did tack training. It was called, it was just when individuals came in and didn't really know how to use the general Nautilus machines. I was just Mm -hmm. like a a basic floor trainer. Show you how to use the machines, kind of how many sets, how many reps and that kind of stuff. Um, So I was always immersed in fitness. And then even before that, like we said, martial arts and cheerleading for myself. Mm -hmm. And it was all building blocks, right? So oh. what was your first athletic was, I guess, martial arts was probably your first athletic pursuit or did you have some before? Because I remember you were at Progressive yeah. when I was at Progressive and we were probably, what, 12 years old 11. at that time? I was 11. 11 when I started. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, prior to that, I think my parents had me in pretty much everything. You know, I did gymnastics. I did dancing. Nice. Um, nothing that really stuck. Nothing that I completely fell in love with. It wasn't mm-hmm. until I was 11 and, and martial arts came along. It was the structure Mm-hmm. It was the discipline, mm-hmm. the fun, because the camaraderie that goes along with martial arts, you know that. Yes. I mean, that's, I think, to a young person, the most addicting part, that there's people there that you relate to mm-hmm. um, on a day-in and day-out basis, and everybody leaves there, and you're sweaty. And then I think what's the best is that belt, that physical reward, mm-hmm. that as you complete testing and as you get better at your craft, you're rewarded with something that's tangible. Mm-hmm. That's goal setting, right? Like mm-hmm. to an individual, you're not writing it down, but as a young person, you know you want to get to that next belt. Mm-hmm. And then when you achieve it, it's like ticking off a goal off the list. 100%. But I it's keep, a tangible yeah. item. Yeah. So to a young person, that tangible item is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And and the teachers that I had and the coaches that I had and that studio environment was really good for me, um, especially being a female. There was already some females that were ahead of me. And when we went to tournaments... We were treated as equals. Mm-hmm. You know, the, we fought the guys. We fought against the boys. We did forms against the boys. It was never girls and girls. Mm-hmm. So I think the equality that went along with that sport at the time for me mm-hmm. showed me that I could walk into a weight room. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to be intimidated. I knew what I was doing because even when I walked into martial arts tournaments, it was the same way, right? I was a female. I could hold my own. I could fight with the boys, right? It mm-hmm. didn't matter what my sex was. Yes. It just mattered that I was good at martial arts. Yeah. And then I loved it. I was so proud of my stepdaughter, not to take away from, I want you to keep going with that, but she yeah. just won a tournament in Cyprus against all the boys. Yes! She just beat four boys in a row, and it was like, it blew my mind. I just and, the girls, and the girls, it, she was in two divisions, because in, in jiu-jitsu, you wear a gi, and you yep. wear a non-gi. You, there's two different styles. And the girls, the girl in the gi crushed her. Like, girls, 
at that in martial arts are so fierce right. more so than boys i think there's a genetic biological component where women are protectors wow. and and you know women bear children and you yep. see that in the animal world women are you know the fierce ones especially i think there's something in the dna there because the girls crush her and then she went in the boys and she dusts them so no exactly way. that equality you're talking about it, it, it blew my mind mm-hmm. so much so can after the martial arts, I imagine the cheer. Cause so I, there was I, a yeah. small crossover. And, and it's funny that you talked about, um, you know, where the passion came from, too, for personal training was I was even ta- I was taught, I, I was taught to teach and share my passion even then, though. Mm-hmm. Like from a very young age, I wanted to instruct. I wanted to be an instructor in our studio because I wanted to share what I loved about Taekwondo with the younger generation. Mm-hmm. So even then, I always wanted to take what I felt about the sport I was in and transfer it to others. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that aspect of falling in love with something and then being able to share that passion with somebody else and have mm-hmm. them feel it. Mm-hmm. So I, I started instructing martial arts even from a super young age. Mm-hmm. Then, yes, there was a little bit of crossover in high school where I made the cheerleading team and I was still doing martial arts at the time, so pretty busy. Um, I think by grade 11 or 12, I had taken a small break from Taekwondo Mm -hmm. and I was just focusing on cheerleading because I was absolutely in love with it. And now what that sport brings, obviously Taekwondo is a little bit more of an individual sport, right? You're not on the floor with a group of individuals, you're out there by yourself, but with cheerleading, um, having other strong females around you, especially gymnasts, girls that work really hard in and out of the gym, um, it brought that sense of family like we were a super close-knit group um with the team that i competed with Mm -hmm. and on top of that the coaches that i had were absolutely incredible nice i had two super strong women that i could look up to one in particular um she always portrayed the i don't care what anybody else thinks of me these are my passions nice she um, took kinesiology in university, inspired me to take kinesiology in university. I didn't know you did she, that. Yeah, I did three years of kinesiology. I didn't think it was a field that I wanted to end up in, so it was a program that I didn't finish, unfortunately, okay. yeah, but yeah. I did take it and, and liked it for the most part. Um, but she was an individual who had numerous passions, but didn't care what people thought of them. Mm-hmm. And I think she imparted more than she even realizes about being a strong female. Mm-hmm. And just, just from the way she carried herself, just from the way that she ran practices for us, mm-hmm. it was so important to me being a strong female. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, cheerleading then and with cheerleading, it's sort of the same as, martial arts and bodybuilding you're always kind of reaching for that next skill mm-hmm. right so you're once, never complete you're the never routine complete. is never perfect exactly it's like a i relate it to i because i was big into yoga for a long time it's almost like a, a meditative practice yes and it's in the sense that and i want to correlate this too because before the the bubble the golf dome collapsed yeah. we were situated i don't know the company dance dynamics or which cheer program it was dca dca yeah. but i can tell you this from anyone listening we had a mixed martial arts gym in there where people are trying to take each other's heads off with with gloves and kicks and and wrestling and the ambulance was outside probably i would say every three days i want to say three to five days there was an ambulance outside and they weren't coming against mixed martial arts they were going to get the cheerleaders because they were grinding for two to three hours those routines they're flying in the air they're landing on the ground people are tearing acls ankles concussions single most dangerous sport it it 
is mind-blowing for everyone who looks at cheer and thinks oh wow it's pretty dancing and you know little acrobatics no it's it's high as they come so yeah so yeah and that's what i loved about it all like it's a grind like the routine you put together encompasses dance it encompasses jumping it encompasses Mm -hmm. weightlifting because you're lifting human beings above your head Mm -hmm. so i was a base i was strong and i took a lot of pride in the fact that i was one of the best bases on our team you know like Anytime a new athlete would come on our team, our coach would stick that new athlete with myself and, and my base partner because we could train that that new top girl, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. She felt safe with our skill and our ability level to be able to safely progress that individual through the skills. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly it. It was always a challenge. You put two and a half minutes of a jam-packed routine, crazy energy, and I liked the showmanship of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I know you had kind of asked me that as far as bodybuilding went as well, was the passion kind of comes out on stage. And I think that correlates to cheer with me because mm-hmm. when you get on when you get on the cheerleading floor, the energy has to be apparent. The judges want to see that. Mm-hmm. And bringing that high energy like I was you know always front for dance I was always you know you could pick me out because of the giant smile on my face because I absolutely loved that's, it that's what I noticed right? I went through all your and that's what I said to you in our last conversation your face popped and it popped in the sense that the smile was like ear to ear and you could see all your teeth and it's and it reminded me of that because I remember you cheered in high school and it, it must correlate to that. Do you remember? Do you know who Clark Loney is? No, I don't. So he's a teacher from Churchill. Okay. A lot of individuals know him that are about our age. And he used to call me the face, like for pep rallies. Like, <laughs> I, brought, I brought some serious facial expressions to yeah. the mats, and I used to love that. And I still try to transfer that into bodybuilding because I do uh-huh. want everybody in that audience to know that I'm in love with being on stage and I love the sport of bodybuilding. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had individuals come up to me after and, and even competitors and say like, my mom said your, be- your routine was the best thing she saw all weekend. And I was like, yeah, it's like, that's what you want to hear. Right. Mm-hmm. You want it. Cause, cause bodybuilding shows can be quite long and drawn out and different divisions are on stage. And some people are only in the audience for that one or two competitors. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you can have somebody else wake up and kind of pay attention to the routine that you're bringing, that means something. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Very cool. So you cheer, I imagine, took you to the end of high school. Yep. And then you said, kind of leaving high school, you kind of had these cutouts of fitness competitors. Yep. When did you pick up the weights? Where and when? Athletic club? Before <laughs> that? Prior? The, um, I did go to the complex briefly. Mm-hmm. And I went with a couple of friends. I, I enjoyed lifting, but I wasn't anything, you know, taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. I started at the athletic club, signed up. And then I moved away for a summer mm-hmm. and I lived in Stratford, Ontario um, for f- three or four months when I was about 21. What drew you to Stratford, if you don't mind me asking? Pardon? What drew you to Stratford, if um, you don't mind I had mind a girlfriend that lived there. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So just somebody that I knew was there having a good time kind of, oh, and, and, and we're all guilty of it in Thunder Bay, right? I want to get out of Thunder Bay. I 100%. need to see what else there is. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And, um, and that was the first thing I did though. I walked into a gym there. Okay. And signed up and said, like, someday I'm going to, you know, be on stage. I really want to be a competitor. And the guy looked at me and he's like, it's a ton of work. Like, you know, he looked at me pretty doubtful. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you know, at that time, I'm sure I had an athletic shape, but I was nowhere near, you know, a, a lifter by mm-hmm. any means. Um, so I continued to go to the gym. I would scan. It was one of the, it was a style gym that you could just fob in any, like, 24 hours a day. And so I'd go and lift on my own. I moved home and... I still went to the athletic club, but I, there was a couple girls that I looked up to. One of them had 
um, she was a personal trainer at the athletic club. She doesn't know she longer lives here, um, but she ended up going on to do a bodybuilding show and I got quite close with her as well. Uh, she influenced me a lot. I, I kind of picked up her style of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and back then it was just kind of doing what was in the magazines, right? I didn't do a ton of research researching things on Google even then were yeah. not as big as they are now. Uh, so a lot of it was from just magazines or, or seeing others do it, picking up on those things. Mm-hmm. And then I met my husband and I asked him one day, he was, he always worked out at the gym. I chatted with him and because I was on the floor a lot, I always saw the individuals that were there mm-hmm. and he was helping train another young guy, um, to do a body or a, um, deadlift contest. I was like, I really would like to learn how to deadlift. So he started showing how to deadlift. We started working out together, became really good friends. And then we started dating. And that was when I entered my first deadlift competition and my first bench press competition was, was that year. Then we played a lot of baseball. We didn't really, I knew I would get on stage and I do have pictures from the, the apartment that we lived in when we first met mm-hmm. of me taking progress pictures. So I really thought I'd be able to get on stage and diet. He knew an individual, a female in town who used to compete and prep different guys for bodybuilding shows. So he hooked me up with her and we sat down and met and she gave me a diet. And it's funny because I look back at that diet and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty bang on. It was fish. It was green beans. It was kind of everything that I do now, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. I wasn't at the right point in my life to get on stage. I wasn't disciplined enough. Mm-hmm. I didn't work consistently enough to have that um, schedule that is absolutely required with mm-hmm. bodybuilding. So, um, I kind of put it on the back burner and just started enjoying lifting, enjoyed getting stronger, enjoyed being at the gym, pushing my body in different ways, but with no specific goal in mind. Mm-hmm. And that's where, like you say, goal setting. And I was just kind of floating at that point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then I had my son. So I had my son, I probably took a solid three years away from the gym. Mm-hmm. And then started going back to just fit for less lifting what I could started deadlifting, started building my deadlift up again, started getting into local lifts, little deadlift competitions and and bench press competitions. And then that was it. By that time I was like, okay, now it's time. Once my son was five, Mm -hmm. it was time. So life kind of settled down. I imagine a little bit. Yes. Right. You know, I I took on the child later in years uh, as a stepchild. So I didn't take her from, from the beginning, but I do know, the added responsibilities of having to get yeah. home and cook a dinner or, you know, put someone to bed or whatever. And my husband works do, right? on the road. Oh. So that's a whole added, yeah. So I have to be there. I'm incredibly fortunate that my father-in-law and my parents help us a ton. Okay. Um, otherwise, I would not be able to do this. Um, but, yeah, that was where it, he got to the point where he got into school hmm. and I knew that I needed another hobby. Now, at this time, I was still coaching cheerleading too. Okay. So I'd already been co- – I was coaching. Like, I had my son and I think – Four months later, I was coaching again. What age did you have your son at? Uh, I was... To kind of put a picture to the... 27. Uh, okay. And so I was still coaching cheerleading, and I was still incredibly passionate about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was my way of taking the passion that I loved and transferring it onto younger girls. And that's another conversation that I want to have a little bit later, too, yeah. is why, that it, why I do what I do. And if it means inspiring young girls to get in the weight room and pick up weights, not only that, but just to have a passion. And I was doing that then even. Mm-hmm. I was trying to transfer my passion of cheer into other females. And so I was incredibly passionate about it at that point. My first year, I competed and I was coaching. So I was working full time. I was coaching probably 12 to 15 to 16 hours a week and bodybuilding. Wow. And had a family. 
That's nuts. It was a little bit crazy. That is nuts. On our practice nights, I would go to the gym. It'd be like 9.30 at night. Mm-hmm. I'd be getting a lift in. I'd bring all my food with me. So I'm talking like you're packing up your stuff in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm getting up, probably doing cardio at about 6.30 in the morning. And I am not coming home until 11 mm-hmm. at night. And repeat, mm-hmm. right? When Especially when we have practices. And it was the same scenario. The first time I took a team or the first time I was competing, I took a team away to a national competition for cheerleading and I had to bring all my food with me mm-hmm. at the competition venue. I, same thing. I had been eating cold chicken the whole time. I went to the back hallway and I found somebody that a member of the kitchen staff. And I was like, can you please heat up this chicken for me? <laughs> I've been eating cold chicken all weekend. And yeah, he, he so felt fun. for me. So he, he obliged, which was so nice to have a hot meal, yep. but it was the same thing. I wasn't going to make an excuse. I was just going to do what was necessary to get through it. Mm-hmm. And, get there, follow my diet and do as I was told. Mm-hmm. And it, that was my very first experience of, of competing. So, wow, that's, and I, I was thinking in my mind a little bit of a saying, I'm probably going to botch it, but like steel is fortune fire, you know, gold is purified in fire. Mm-hmm. And it almost seems like to me, you had so much on the go, like following your son and coaching and doing your own training that it's almost like when you're in school, you know, you're so busy and then you get downtime and you're like, wow, like, what do I do with myself? Like, but now, you took you took that like insane focus that you had going. I think I wonder if that created the discipline in you because once those others drew back a little bit, now you had time to funnel it all into yourself. It and you have like. to, and that's the thing. Like I knew after that first year that I had to choose between cheerleading mm-hmm. and bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Like I could, there was no way that I can continue to do both. Mm-hmm. So that was a tough choice because a lot of the girls that I coached were with me for five or six years. They'd, I'd coached them from very young ages and it was very hard for me. I remember sitting down at the competition and I looked at one of my athletes that I was really close with and I said, I'm like, I'm not going to be around as much next year. Like if this club continues, I'm going to be handing it off to other people. And I had tears in my eyes and she started crying because mm-hmm. I had coached her from the age of 10, I think. Wow. And she was 15 at that point, 14 at that point, like a long time. Can I ask you a curious question? Yeah. Not to cut you off there, I apologize, but because uh, I coach kids martial arts and that's something i always wonder because they a lot of them look up to me and really care for me and i love it it's it's the most heartwarming feeling you could ever ask for i don't i don't i do it for the passion but after all that time do you still connect with those with those girls so funny that you say that so yes okay when i decided to start personal training as a a career i asked i reached out to a few of my key girls girls that i've always kept in touch with (laughs) and i asked them if they would mind writing testimonials about who I was as a coach so mm-hmm. that I could use it for on social media and, and make myself a little more relatable and indicate the kind of coaching experience that I did have. And like every single one of them replied, like, absolutely. So we'd love everything you did for us. Like there was an, the, a few of them have come through with those testimonials mm-hmm. and I've read them and I've been in tears. Hmm. Just the difference you made. Is that what would touch on what they talked about, if you don't mind me asking, Um, if if it's not too personal? No, no, of course. And I think that was it was some of them were saying the discipline that Lisa taught me, the dedication that she taught me, the um, the determination and that I care that I do care about my passion. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not just words. It's not just something to fill my time. I give everything. Mm-hmm. And I think that was even when I started pursuing bodybuilding, I knew that you, I knew I had to be all in mm-hmm. absolutely 100% in. Mm-hmm. And that was what a couple of the girls said. Like Lisa taught me to be, you know, if you're going to take something on yes. to be completely dedicated to it. Yes. 
that point is so there's a saying in jiu-jitsu they call it jiu-jitsu is a cruel mistress mm -hmm. and i feel like that could apply to any passion you have it comes down to it and anyone listening or wanting to make a venture in something of their own it's kind of selfish to say but you got to be a little selfish in that sense that yeah, you have to dedicate it all you can't you can't train bodybuilding six nights a week as a passion and try to take on something else too you got to pick no you got to pick one and that's takes and don't i i, I want to impart on people never give up in that because for me i remember watching youtube video after youtube video of oprah of all these people you know just how to youtube how to find your passion you know yeah. i'm listening to wayne dyer deepak chopra you know you yes. name a million people i'm listening to them all how do you find and i'm going what the fuck is wrong with me why can't <laughs> i find my passion like i'm searching everything yeah. and one day it'll come and when and when the jiu-jitsu came back and i'm sure when the weights came for you it was like okay yeah i'm all in and and, and so then i had an individual so she she pops to my house every once in a while we'll was we'll very 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 close and she was the one that took the club over when i decided to leave mm -hmm. there was a little lull and then she she started the club up again and last year she was had such a wonderful team she did such a wonderful job of coaching that they won two grand championship competitions one in the states and one in canada wow one in the States and one in Canada, or two in Canada last year. And, you know, she messages me all the time and she's like, everything you did for me, like, this is what's, what's happening. It's all because of you. Nice. Right? And I don't want to, I, I'm not one to take that credit because, you know, I think everybody makes choices that leads to, that lead to where they are. Mm -hmm. um, and she did a phenomenal job of bringing those athletes together and coaching that team. And I was kind of like a second mother to her. Mm -hmm. We're we're still like you said. Do they come to me? Yes, we're still incredibly close. I've been job references for more girls than I can count. Right. That's awesome. So they'll call me up or message me on Facebook and say, "Hey, can I put you down as a reference mm -hmm. on Facebook or for on my resume?" I'm like, "Absolutely," because mm -hmm. I know them all inside and out. You know, when you spend mm -hmm. that much time with those young people, mm -hmm. you know their character. Mm -hmm. You know. Now, now I want to tease out a little bit of that because. I think it's important is what do you think do you brought to those girls that was different was so uh so I impacting. think I was hard on them yeah yes you held them to a standard yes hmm. and I taught them that I'm gonna be here mm -hmm. if you decide to dedicate yourself to this team mm -hmm. so will I and mm -hmm. so will everybody else in this room look mm -hmm. around the room do it for yourself do it for your teammates do it because you love this but if you don't love it the door is right there mm-hmm don't show up if you don't love it because it'll show. Mm -hmm. And the one year that we ended up winning in Chicago, that was the talk that I had with the girls. We're not going to care about what any other team is doing. And this is so relatable to bodybuilding as well. I don't care what any other competitor is doing. I can't control them. No. I can only control me. Mm -hmm. And that was the talk that I had with the girls that year. I don't care what any other team is doing out there. Because we can't control them. All that we can control is when you show up, mm -hmm. when you work hard... I will be here. You guys know I believe in every single one of you. Mm -hmm. So look around the room mm -hmm. and decide right now how this season is going to go. Mm -hmm. And that was it. We set goals with them. Mm -hmm. That year, <clears throat> I made it. Um, I made a word of the day every day. But something relatable. Like, it was power. Mm -hmm. So power within yourself or power within the stunts that we were doing. Mm -hmm. Or it was focus. Or it was sharpness. Or it was, so I'd pick a word of the day. I'd present it at practice every day. And it was that, okay, guys, apply focus right now apply power right and by the end of the year we had all these words that i felt applied to the team that we had created and the routine that we had put on the floor so and then we set goals as far as what stunts we wanted to accomplish there were some high level stunts in that routine 
and we set goals and said, okay, we're going to do these in the routine. How do we get to them? And I took the input from the girls and I took the input from the other coaches and we would bring, and that's another thing as well, I think, in any passion is having a mentor Mm -hmm. and having individuals in the industry, whatever industry you're in, that you look up to and can reach out to. Mm. We have consistently brought down an individual from South Carolina who used to run his own cheer gym. He runs a co-ed university level cheerleading team and to a junior varsity and a varsity team and a palm dance team we have we met him in montreal one year we made great friendship with him he stays at my house when he comes nice and he brings all of his knowledge from cheer from the states he puts it here with us for a very low cost because he knows what we're trying to do with our program and he saw the passion mm-hmm. that we were bringing to cheerleading even if our club was really small and at that time we were practicing out of a church Wow. Like we weren't a big name gym. Uh-huh. We were just a little tiny squad trying trying to make cheerleading something for some girls. I see something in you, what you're saying too, and I want to touch on it. I think as much as you're imparting that on the girls, like there's the door, do it if you love it. I think as a coach or as someone who's teaching, be there if you love it. Yes. Because that's going to show through too. For you sure. see it in any profession, whether it's teaching, whether it's coaching, whether it's any instructional, you see if someone's loving what they're doing or if they don't love what they're doing. And I love what you said about being hard on them because I don't know if you can attest to this, but I have two examples, high school and the group home I used to work at, a child welfare group home for children's aid. And there was in high school, there's these teachers and there was the workers like this in the group home too. The buddies, the friends, the ones who tell people what they want, the fun ones, you know what I mean? But the group homes in the high schools, it was so weird when you return, when either the kids return to the group homes or you return to the high school, the person you want to see is always the one who is the one who held you the highest standard, the one who is the hardest on you. Because you know, once you mature, that person wanted the best for me. They didn't want me to feel comfortable. They didn't want to give in to me. You know what I mean? They wanted what was best for me. And that really sticks through. And it's such a hard lesson. I think, even think as parents, I think as friends, I think as whatever, partners to people, we always want to make people feel comfortable. Sometimes it's not exactly And that. I wanted to make my girls feel uncomfortable because mm-hmm. life isn't easy. Mm-mm. When something gets hard, are you just going to give up every time? Mm-hmm. Make ex- like you said, the excuses. Right. Excuses are so easy. You and can and find I would a have, girl, I would have sense come down. I'm like, I don't even want to hear it. Mm-hmm. Just do it again mm-hmm. and make it work because you have the ability to do it. I had one girl that I was so hard on, made her cry. I don't know how many practices. I would do push-ups with her, and she failed at something. Mm-hmm. To let her know I was there, I was there to support her. But no, you're not just going to cry and get your way. Mm-hmm. You're going to do it again, and you're going to do it successfully. And it was one of the athletes that, fortunately, she knew it wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. She knew I wanted what was best for her because she had the skills to do so. Mm-hmm. But on the sideline after, we could joke around and have fun. And the tears were gone. And I was Lisa. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't coach at that point. So, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. You still need to be a real person, mm-hmm. right? You need to be hard on them. Impart it in a way that they can understand. And, and coaching, coaching individuals to their... Um, likes, you know, because you can't coach everybody the same. No. Everybody requires something different. Mm-hmm. So once I would have an athlete for, you know, a year or two and you, you learn to know what their, what their uh, ability level is and how they handle either confrontation or whether you need to tell them something one-on-one or if you can tell them in front of the group. Yes. Um, but it was always, it was always about goal setting for us, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and it's funny that you said, the passion will come through because mm-hmm. in that last year of coaching for me, 
I, my mind was on bodybuilding. It wasn't mm-hmm. on cheer. And the girls felt it, and we did not have a very good year. Interesting. There was a lot of dissension around the girls. They could see that my head wasn't there. Mm-hmm. They could see that my heart wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Right? And I knew it was, it was time to walk away at that point because mm-hmm. I wasn't doing them a service anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Because I was, I, was, I was considering myself and what I wanted to pursue as far as bodybuilding went. Interesting. So your focus, yeah, that's, that's exactly And they can that. feel it. And people I, can feel it. And I'm a believer in, in firmly in the inner states you hold create your reality. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like you walk out a door with a shit attitude, everything else goes to shit, right? That's the right. traffic, the boss, the everything, right? Mm-hmm. You walk out pleasant, life ends up pleasant. So your focus shift. Now, what's that? Tell me how that journey started to manifest with the weights and getting to the point of making pro. Sure. So the first time I dove in, um, I believe it was about November when I decided I knew that I wanted to to prep, and the show in was going to be in um, was going to be April thirtieth. Okay. Typically, the um, prep time for a female competitor is sixteen to twenty weeks. So four months, four usually. Months. Okay. And I did. I was going to do a four month prep, so I would have to start. Um, in January, first thing, mm-hmm. January, February, March, April, all of those months, mm-hmm. I would have to diet for. So kind of got a feel for it, knew the coach that I wanted to work with in town, Adrian Lisi. Uh, he worked in nutrition house at the time mm-hmm. and approached him. I believe that he actually held a small little seminar in nutrition house. Um, and I just popped in to kind of hear him talk and hear his approach and, and things that he knew. So uh, I wanted to work with somebody local, right? The first time you kind of want to have a coach that you can go to. Mm-hmm. So I... Started lifting a little heavier November, December, and then January comes, like January 1st, right after New Year's, and you dive in. And diet at that point, you don't even know what you're getting into, Mm -hmm. right? The first time competitors, it's an eye-opening experience, and that's what I'm hoping to do. I would like to start prepping individuals as well for contests now Mm -hmm. um, because I've worked with some really great coaches, and I have a little bit more knowledge as far as nutrition goes now than was done with me in the first show. And um, as females, we're very hard on ourselves emotionally when it comes to eating and food and weight loss Mm -hmm. and cardio and training. So I want to be able to be a a strong female coach that individuals can come to if they want... um, to lean on, you know, during the hard times in, in competition prep. So January rolled around, start dieting, start losing weight. It happened pretty quick. I, I didn't start overly heavy. So we did start seeing some progress pretty quick halfway through, you know, I was 10 weeks out and I'm like, okay, I got some abs going like my shoulders. You can see my shoulders, you know, I'm flexing my bicep. I'm like, okay, I can, I see this. And and then we just, yeah, we continued to diet. I went away for that cheerleading competition that year with the girls. That was my first year. Um, I was pretty lean. I was doing quite a bit of cardio at that point. And it was like, I couldn't see beyond April 30th. April 30th was the day of the show. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the world was going to stop after that point. Because it's you're putting absolutely everything you have into that date. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, I used to go for coffee with a group of individuals that I worked with when I was at um, the credit union that I worked at. And I was a couple weeks out of my show and I had just gotten the suit, the sparkly bathing suits that we were on stage. So I brought it with me and I put it on for them. Mm-hmm. And I was doing some posing. And like these women that I had known me since I was 18, I was now 32. And they were like just in awe that my, the way I had transformed my body. And yeah, so April 30th came, got on stage, and I was hooked. Absolutely hooked Can for I ask life. Can you a question about the stage? Because yeah. I'm curious about the bodybuilding. I know a little bit about the world, but not too much. So I need to know about the sport. Just the one uh, little thing. Is there weight categories? 
Or is it not just... Not for women. It's just open. Yeah. So, so men, there is weight categories. My, yes. my preconception of, of, you know, I watched Pumping Iron with mm-hmm. Arnold back in the day. He's one of my faves. Yeah. And it's like, bigger the better. Yeah. Go big or go home. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I wondered that, though. But it's, it's like every, every everything's relative with the body, right? Like yeah. some people, you know, I can never make 200 pounds. No matter how hard I want right. to work, you know. I probably get you. Probably, you really probably want. the real <laughs> You know what I mean? But, you know, there's, there's limits to everything, yes. right? So... That's what I wondered with like women. Say someone's a petite, you know, natural, 110 pound female. So there is various categories for women though. So it starts with the smallest category, which is just a bikini category. Okay. With bikini, what they're looking for is overall shape. They technically, you know, reward nice rounded glutes. Mm -hmm. They like to see sort of a nice rounded delt. Um, The girls posing for that is just a simple like side pose, one arm at the side, one arm on the hip. They turn around, they stick their butts out so everybody can see their glutes. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of like a beauty pageant. Instagram model look almost. It is. Yeah. And so the next um, category up from that is... Can I I apologize? Because that's going to be in there and I apologize because that's going to take away from a lot of them because it's it's way further from that. That's a terrible judgment. It's it's insane amounts of work Mm -hmm. and and prep and and the strength is is there. It's just a different body when they're when they're at so. a very high level, bikini competitors do come in pretty shredded as well. Mm-hmm. But it is overall shape. They're not looking for muscles to be. Um, you don't want to see individual muscle groups. You don't want to see striations. You don't want to see an ultra level of leanness. They have a certain smoothness that goes along with that, but they are in very very good shape and they do work very hard. Mm-hmm. So then the next level up from that is figure. Figure has um, only quarter turns, which is like a front pose, a side pose, a back pose, and another side pose. And you're just arms at the side, kind of a really, um, you're just showcasing a good shape. What they're looking for is what's called a V-taper in bodybuilding. So really nice wide shoulders and back tiny little waist, nice glutes. And in figure, there is some more muscular development that they want to see, but it's still not a hardness that comes along with bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. Then there's women's physique, which is the division that I'm in, Mm -hmm. that we get to do poses. So we get to do like the male bodybuilding, but we have open hand poses. So we don't make a closed fist in pose. We have open hands. What's, what's, what's the, just makes it a little bit more feminine. It's not as hard looking. It has a, has a little bit more of an artistic feel to it. Gotcha. And then there's women's bodybuilding. So those are the divisions. In men's, there's men's physique, which is like a board short look, Mm -hmm. right? Like the guys with really nice abs, nice big shoulders, but they don't have to train legs as much because they wear a long style board short. Mm -hmm. Then there's classic physique, which is the look that Arnold used to bring to the stage. Really nice, round, full muscles. Symmetrical. Very very symmetrical. symmetrical. Nice, small waist. Mm -hmm. Still nice, big shape to the legs. Mm -hmm. And then there's men's open bodybuilding, which is all out muscles on muscles on muscles hardness graininess a crazy level of leanness like you're talking these guys are paper thin skin Mm -hmm. and absolutely shredded in every way so that's kind of and and males have categories Mm -hmm. for women it's heighted so you're in a division with girls that are at the same height as you. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, so you were the women's say physique was it? Yeah. Correct. Okay. So now my curiosity to that because I've been interested. I like working out. What type of lifting do you do to get to that? Like me, when I was in the gym, I had the basic, you know, three sets, six to eight reps, you yeah. know, to build the muscle. I did, it worked generally for me. Yeah. Like, you know, I maxed out about 165 pounds from 140. So I put on about 25 pounds of muscle, really which I liked, you know, it was, you know, two hours in the gym a night of hard lifting, um, which probably don't even need that much, I would imagine. But uh, what's what's 
the premise behind your lifting. Yeah. So like, with bodybuilding and you want to think of it as like bot- as muscle sculpting, right? So mm-hmm. you do want to have some compound lift in there. Like there are some bodybuilders that absolutely swear swear by heavy squats, okay. heavy deadlifts, heavy bench press. A, so what's a compound lift? A That's- compound lift is something that includes majority of the muscles in the body at that time, gotcha. right? So a deadlift, you are working your legs, your back, your lats, your traps, you're working so many different muscles in that position. Gotcha. Um, same with the squat, right? You do need a good core stability to be able to squat properly and squat heavy. Mm-hmm. You're talking some bodybuilders, there's male bodybuilders out there that rep 500 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, reps. And you're not talking just eight, you're talking probably 15 to 20 reps wow. with 400 pounds on their back mm-hmm. because they want the muscle to hypertrophy, right? They want that muscle growth to be there. And the only way to cause muscles to grow is to progressively overload them over time. Okay. Now, that doesn't mean that that guy can, might, okay, for myself, I know that I can't comfortably squat more than two plates, which is 225. Okay. I have to find other ways to challenge those muscle groups. Now, why? Do you mind me asking why? Yes. Because it, it, I'm hearing by the tone of your voice, it wasn't necessarily uh, that you can't. It's almost something, is there something like an injury or physical? Yeah, so I did thing? have ACL repair okay. when I was 20. Um, I blew my knee out with cheer, with martial arts. There was a couple of factors that went into that. I had to have my ACL reconstructed. And so I always have that. I don't have a comfort level under the bar. And we all know our own bodies, right? Mm-hmm. I know that when I get under that squat bar, could I do more? Maybe. Could I rep it? No. And is it going to cause me a lot of pain the next few days? Probably. Mm-hmm. So, but with legs and with any muscle group, you need to find the rep range that challenges it, that causes muscle tearing mm-hmm. because the muscle tearing and the repairing is what causes the muscle to grow, mm-hmm. right? So we want to tear them and break the muscle down mm-hmm. and then cause that growth. Mm-hmm. Now, there's so many different ways to challenge a muscle, whether that's going into a super high rep range and just causing there to be a lot of volume in the muscle. So it causes a little bit of growth mm-hmm. and nutrients to be shuttled to the muscle or whether that means going, you know, in that six to eight rep range that you mentioned mm-hmm. and going all out heavy to complete failure. Mm-hmm. And that's really what a lot of bodybuilders swear by mm-hmm. is progressively overloading the muscle with that six to six to 10 rep range, mm-hmm. but going into absolute failure where Mm -hmm. you're pushing that last shoulder press and you fail on the eighth one because Mm -hmm. you just can't do you guys work in negatives ever like do you do sometimes sometimes yeah i used to do those a lot for pull-ups okay because for a female to do pull-ups it can be quite hard yeah so i would jump to the top and i would lower myself down so that there was still some muscle tearing there yeah jump to the top and lower down um so we do definitely you see a lot of bodybuilders use that with bench you know, if they're trying to develop a really big bench, get somebody to help, and then that nice slow negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, contract contracting the muscle and making sure you're squeezing the muscle through the through the range of motion is what you really want. You don't want you shouldn't ever be swinging the weights. You know, there shouldn't you shouldn't ever be using momentum except for maybe those last couple reps that you need to squeak out. Mm-hmm. But for me, muscle sculpting really does require that you know what you're working. Like if you're going to pick up a, a dumbbell and do a bicep curl. Mm-hmm. Are you swinging it around or are you actually contracting your bicep mm-hmm. to make that weight move? Yes. And we were kind of mentioning that a little bit before in the earlier the conversation, but that's that lesson in there. That's that teaching. It's like, that's that humility. That's that openness to what. <sighs> and I'm sure I walked in the gym a hundred times when I was younger and was not doing things correctly. Exactly. I'm sure of yeah, it. Yeah, same. And new and beginners won't, you know, they mm-hmm. won't know what they're actually working, what they're act, what muscle they're actively working mm-hmm. in that rep range. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sooner you can learn that mind muscle connection, mm-hmm. and know you talked about the belief of, you know, growth. Like if you believe that you can feel that muscle working and contracting, 
you feel it 100%. that much more. Some there people yell scream huge... grow at their myself. They I've do. seen people yes. scream grow and I love it. Some people don't like that. You know, there's a different gym for everything, but I love it all. And that's, Same. yeah, but you believe it. And yeah, it's that knowing your body and really knowing. I remember Arnold, I think, mentioning that. Like he didn't eat, like the professional big, big bodybuilders, they don't even go too heavy in some Facet. Some they don't. They, it's nope. just exactly what you're talking about. It's that hard concentration on the muscles and and certain certain muscle groups like delts. Yes, they don't that. always respond to mm-hmm. super heavy. Some and, and that's where I vary my training for my shoulders because I like to have a little bit of hard and heavy training for my shoulders, but then I also like to have a super duper high rep day mm-hmm. where there's very short minimal rest in between, and you're constantly keeping the tension on the muscle, mm-hmm. and then I really feel it. Mm-hmm. So you need to find what works best for you as well because mm-hmm. everybody's a little bit different. But see, so it's interesting with what you're saying, and, and I'm pick your brain about this, hear what you say about it. So I've heard you say it's like maxing out that muscle to get the growth, right? But I've seen you in kind of your prep and where it's gone, and it's, it's almost seemed like you've gotten – more you use that word i I can never say it the the muscle striated striated yeah that striation and all the definition but almost you you decrease your weight and muscle size do you not or is that fat and water that you're losing what what, what's what's causing that constriction from say i don't know your weight and i don't want to guess to what what that looks like but say someone like me from 160 to say 140 if i really shred it up like what what's the difference what's happening diet diet (laughs) (laughs) putting yourself in a caloric deficit Um, and increasing the output. So through cardio. So because you're in a caloric deficit in, in bodybuilding, I don't know, maybe not the right way to say it. Is it technically healthy in that sense because you're in a caloric deficit? So I think up to a certain extent, bodybuilding is healthy because Mm -hmm. the foods that we're putting in our body are incredibly macronutrient and micronutrient dense. Now, what is that? So macros are your carbohydrates, fats, and proteins that make up the calories that we put in our body. Micronutrients are the vitamins, minerals, those types of things that we're getting, gaining the beans, from our food. the vegetables. Yes. Okay. So, but even, you know, even the protein and, and uh, the carbohydrates, like what you can take from your food. And there's a, a really great bodybuilding coach who I'm fortunate enough to know and call a friend. His name is Neil Hill and he's originally from the UK. He trained and is the coach for many Olympians. Um, he's the coach for Flex Lewis, who's won seven um, Olympian titles amazing coach and i was just recently bought one of his nutrition books and he says you're not the old saying you are what you eat doesn't really apply you are what you absorb Mm. so i like that how well does your digestive system work are you giving yourself the proper foods because all differently dna and ethnicity and sex and um, just different digestion from when we were younger, you know, the type of foods that our body has adapted to, and we're mm-hmm. all sensitive in different ways to those micro and macronutrients. Yes. And we all have different food intolerances and yes. sensitivities. And that's what he talks about. And with bodybuilding, you have to find what foods work best for you. Mm-hmm. So for example, when I'm in diet when, this year for prep for me, we most bodybuilders typically are eating six to seven to eight meals a day. Sometimes the guys, because they need to get so many calories in mm-hmm. to fuel the muscles still be in the caloric deficit. There's a fine line there mm-hmm. because the output needs to be very high, but you need to fuel the muscle so the muscle doesn't atrophy. Mm-hmm. And then you need to be able to actually work out and function and live. So um, for myself, six meals last year during prep, when I get right down to it and I'm about two months out, we three of those meals are fish. 
white fish mm-hmm. because fish seems to work really well for me. Mm-hmm. My body tolerates it. I take the protein very well. Mm-hmm. And the, there's typically a chicken meal in there and then normally egg whites on the ends. Mm-hmm. So in the morning and at night. Because okay. it's, it's just protein at that point. It's protein intake. So I'm getting some fats from the fish. I'm getting very high protein intake. And I'm getting some carbohydrates from sources like rice, oats, um, rice cakes, sometimes potato, sometimes sweet potato, mm-hmm. uh, but very clean carbohydrate sources, right? Mm-hmm. Carbohydrate sources that our bodies can utilize energy from efficiently. Okay. Not like sugar. Yeah, and like pasta. Pausing. Like you're, you know, like a, you even, said you do white rice. I remember you white said. White rice. And white even rice. some bodybuilders can use pasta in their prep if, okay. if it agrees with their system. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm dying to get a nutrition nutritionist on here because I just find it so interestingly Same. compelling. Like it might be a little fringe, but like, have you even gone into like your DNA and what's like your, like you no, said, ethnicity, now. like McLean, like that's Scottish, right? So you got to think of what your ancestors and were and eating. And my, my mom was born in Germany. So there's German in there too. Okay. Um, we, we do have the ability to get the blood work done. I believe Thunder Naturopathic does it. Okay. And you can requisition your food intolerances. That's so cool. Cause I've been, I'm so glad you brought that up because I went to the Red Cross cause I was speaking uh, with Erin May from Body Mind a while ago. And she was talking about there's diets geared towards blood types. Yes. With what your body absorbs. Yes. Answer, so I was like, okay, There's a book cool. on it. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I'm interested in this. So I'll start with square one. I'm going to go find out my blood type. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in town I could find to find out my blood type. Well, besides making really? an appointment with my, my doctor, you can't get blood taken in Thunder wow. Bay. You go to the Red Cross, they don't do it anymore. So you're saying which center? So it's called, well, um, the Thunder Bay Naturopathic, I believe, does it. Okay. Um, I have a coworker whose cousin worked there, and she had her food intolerances taken. So they'll test you for upwards of 300 food intolerances. Wow. And so what they do is they chart it with a color. So red is a no-go food for you. They okay. give it a score and say, your body does not absorb this or tolerate this food or you have a sensitivity to it now how do they test that if you don't mind it's blood work i believe oh it's through the blood yes i did it with have you ever heard of muscle testing through that no it was so interesting i i I see dr schrader at uh natural health and chiropractic on victoria and because i was having crazy sciatica it wouldn't go away like it was the worst thing i've ever experienced in my life Long story short, he did about 50 different vials with food sources in it with carbohydrates and this and that and the muscle test your leg like you push against the hand and he says, create resistance. I'm going to push back. He push back. Okay. Tries five or six. I can push, keep his hand, puts one on my leg. Boom. My leg goes back. I'm like, okay, this, this is voodoo. Try that again. No I'm going to, I'm going to give you my heart. It's hundred percent. Push against my leg. Boom. My leg drops. I'm like, this is crazy. I'm like, I, and I'm stubborn and I like a challenge. I tried about 10 different times. Couldn't, but it was corn and wheat for me. That's what he said. Corn, especially he says, stay away from that. And it's in everything, you know, high fructose corn syrup. And, and it's not supposed and, to so corn was originally created for animals, animal yeah. feed. Mm-hmm. It, it's not for the human body. Mm-mm. Our bodies doesn't do not, digest it. There's, no. I don't think there's any nutrients that comes out. No. You would know because that's through your just diet. it, right? Like, so, yeah, not just not to get yeah. too much on a different tangent, but so that's where I was curious about asking with the diet is. So you kind of answered, I think, before in that. That's what the fish is, the meats, the high protein, macro and micronutrients that you need your body absorbs. So what and, like and clean clean fuel sources, carbohydrates. So I always explain this to newcomers and, and say that like our muscles need protein, our bodies need protein, but the vehicle that takes the protein to the muscles is typically to carbohydrates. So post workout, what you'll see a lot of bodybuilders do is actually have a protein source, but you also want a carbohydrate to go along with that, okay. so that the uptake into the the system is very high. I didn't know that. It's like it shuttles right. So post workout is when now when I'm getting into really good contest prep, 
I typically have mine, I have a little bit of carbohydrates before my workout and mostly protein after. Sometimes I'll get a little bit of carbohydrates depending on where I am in my prep. Mm -hmm. Um, But bodybuilders, during especially a gaining season, you'll see some of those guys uptake a ton of carbohydrates after because the glycogen stores are so depleted in our muscles in the liver Mm -hmm. that they need something to fuel the protein. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, if say for a layman who wasn't trying to necessarily be a bodybuilder, do you have dietary advice for how someone may want to lose weight? Everyone, everyone's always right know, trying mm-hmm. to get better. Little, not always, but I always speaking such over generalities. But uh, lots of people want to lose weight yeah. and they struggle with it. What would be advice that do you need to? And I've heard a lot of people use the same ideology that you're saying: caloric deficit's the only way. Doesn't matter. It doesn't. doesn't matter. You could be on any diet now, you want. It's interesting that you asked that. I was just watching a podcast on this the other day and somebody asked, you know, can I, uh, one individual says that I can diet if it fits my macros, which is caloric deficit. So let's say you're trying to shoot for 1500 calories a day. Can you do that on pop tarts? Sure you can. But, but when you start losing muscle at that point, because all you're giving your body is crappy sugar, Mm -hmm. then what are you going to do? Your body will adapt. Our bodies love to be in homeostasis. Mm -hmm. So your body's going to adapt to the 1500 calories of pop tarts. Mm -hmm. And then where are you going to go from there? When you hit a plateau, you're going to pull more calories away from 1500 Mm -hmm. because you're barely going to be able to function. Mm -hmm. So the whole point is to give our body whole food, calorie dense food, Mm -hmm. avocados, greatest whole food there is. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed. Right? (laughs) Every day. Olive oil. Interesting. Great. Okay. Um, so you need those good fats in there, yes. right? Um, nut butters, mm-hmm. protein. If you want to lose weight, 1 to 1.25 grams of protein per pound of body weight. That's sort of the rule of That's thumb. That's the rule. Okay, so interesting. So let's yes. say, let's use me for example. I weigh 150 pounds. Yep. And I don't want to lose weight. I know what, well, let's say I do. Actually, sometimes I go into a jiu-jitsu tournament mm-hmm. and I need to be 145 pounds. Yep. That's the weight category. That's high-level competition. Generally, I go in what I'm at, but it's a really high-level one and I want my best chance for success. I'll lose five pounds. So if I want to lose five pounds, me being 150, I need to eat 1.2 grams of protein to the 150 pounds I weigh. Mm-hmm. So that would look like, you know, 150 plus another 75, so 225 grams of protein. Yeah. And I would be losing weight. That seems like a lot of protein, 225 right? grams of protein, and I'm still going to lose weight. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Depending on what your output is, though. Now, well, for sedentary yeah. individuals mm-hmm. that have a desk job, that don't do any activity, Maybe the caloric input is going to be a little bit different. Maybe you're going to go one pound, one gram of body of protein per, per pound of body weight. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go to the 1.25 because that will tip the calories over that what they actually require. Okay. But I'm talking about individuals that are athletes, mm-hmm. individuals that lift, mm-hmm. individuals that do jujitsu and do yoga uh, and okay, do yes. and do and do activities that require muscle building to happen and gotcha. protein synthesis to happen. Okay, that yes. makes a lot of sense. Now, just out of for my own. Knowledge and learning. What micronutrients that you said are good for you, vegetable wise? Because I've looked into vegetables a lot, uh, trying to get to more of a whole foods, mm-hmm. not plant based diet, but just a little bit more whole foods diet. So spinach is great. Spinach yeah. is actually very important um, for like muscle pumps. Like when we do the like when I was working with a high level coach, and he said to me, um, you know, 
you're not going to get pumps because I'm going to take a lot of your carbohydrates away because carbohydrates will fuel the muscle and you'll get that good. You'll get shuttling happening when you're working out. So shuttling. Get, like shuttling of, of water and um, nutrients to the, to the muscles from the carbohydrates. Okay. So when we uptake a lot of sugar and I'm pumping, like that's doing a bicep curl, I'm going to feel it in the muscle because mm-hmm. that's how our bodies work. It's triggered on that release of... Um, um, Glycogen? No, of uh, glucose. Glucose. And um, that's not even the right term. Why Why am I totally, totally drawing a blank? It's all good. Um, but anyway, insulin is what the word I'm looking for. Okay. Right? So there's functionality that releases the insulin, the uptake of glucose, and the up- and glycogen stores in our muscles. And you're going to fuel that pump. But in the absence of carbohydrates, a lot of bodybuilders, when you're in that last month, you're not getting pumps anymore. You're going to the gym, and it's pretty lame because you're hungry, you have no carbohydrates, and it's, it's hard to get a pump. Mm-hmm. But... He imparted on me that you can get a pump, add some spinach, add some water, drink lots of water because it's still going to shuttle some water to the muscles as well. Okay. Um, so spinach is a great one. Avocados is a great one. Berries. Mm-hmm. Now, typically in a bodybuilding diet, you wouldn't see fruit. Um, Neil Hill, as I mentioned before, he likes. He's a huge, huge proponent of fruit as long as you can, and because of the antioxidant properties as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, whole grains. Now, there's breads out there that now are created with seeds and grains, the Ezekiel bread. Yes. Unreal source. There's like, I believe in two slices, I think you're getting 10 or 12 grams of protein. Wow. Or maybe eight, but it's it's up there as well. Yeah. Quinoa. Okay. Tons of protein in quinoa. Mm-hmm. Great for you. I had a coach that used that throughout my entire prep one year quinoa gotta instead know, of rice you gotta know how to cook that <laughs> it's not that hard no it's like rice you gotta have good ri- I, yeah. you gotta rinse it and let it sit a little like you okay. gotta sit maybe for four or five minutes then dump it in you can use chicken stock to cook it it's great yeah that type of food actually absorbs anything you put in with it you put bay leaves in it it'll taste like chicken soup you put garlic in it it's gonna taste a little garlicky like cool so if you can stand the texture I, to me it's like rice like it's yeah, not yeah. much different yeah but um yeah so there is a definitely a lot of great whole foods out there you want to you want to be taking in taking um salmon even red meat like a lot of people think that red meat is bad mm. we the bioavailability of of the protein in red meat the way that our bodies utilize it is very high so mm. you can definitely use ground beef red meat if you can get it from the farmer's market where it's coming from a really great source like elk or bison um Th- that that's was, what you want to well, do that was a question i also want to ask you you know because seems like such an elaborate science when you're getting to this professional standard and is the quality of the meat, do you differentiate in the quality of meat you put? Are you going to Safeways to get your uh, chicken and fish or are you going to the market? I try. I try to, to keep sources? it as, I try to keep good sources, but it also gets costly then, yes. right? So in the end, am I buying frozen fish? Yep. Mm-hmm. Because I, there'd be no way that I could afford fresh fish unless somebody was sponsoring me for it, right? Gotcha. Um, you still want, you know, as quality of sources as you can get. For me, I think as long as you're being consistent with the sources, mm-hmm. that's what our bodies really care for Mm -hmm. if you're still consistently losing weight and i'm still looking pretty my muscles are still looking pretty hard and pretty full Mm -hmm. then the source is probably fine for me right Mm -hmm. um but do you want to go to organic when you can absolutely well that's a curious question i don't i don't know if you'll have the exact answer because i don't expect you to be a scientist but um once again to the articulation of science and and how hyper focused it is it is does the and then this might be just a cliche that people are talking about now, but the hormones in the meats and the chickens and the fish, 
Do those affect your body? Does that affect the uptake of testosterone, estrogen? Right. You know, does that affect hormone levels? I don't, I don't know. I, I really honestly you don't know? cannot okay. speak I wonder. I wish I could. I wonder if trainers but, just advised, you know, against yeah. maybe don't do fish too much. Because we had Eco Superior talk to our school, yeah. and they said don't eat salmon out of Lake Superior more than once wow. a month. Really? Yes. So they said that's And I that's do know on. an individual who was heavy into lifting. She wasn't living here at the time, but she was eating quite a bit of tuna. Mm-hmm. You're talking a couple cans a day. Yeah, that's there. what I mean. For the but average she, person. she ended up with mercury poisoning. Wow. Uh-huh. Holy. So there is a case of it. It can happen. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't touch tuna anymore, but my husband eats it occasionally. Once, maybe every two weeks or once a week. Okay. And, but this individual was eating probably two cans a day consistently for a few years. And she did end up with, with mercury poisoning. Okay. So. And that's yeah. on the same lines. Like I'm pretty thin already as it is. And you hear those cliches, you never know if they're true or not, but like stay away from edamame when you're a guy, stay away from the, uh, the, the, the tofu and the soys because they pump your estrogen. Have you heard of that? Is any validity to that or? Not that I know of. And no? I've recently been looking up a lot of hormonal, um, research because that's, in the final hour for females in the last couple of weeks, we really do have to control our estrogen. And when you look up how to control those, it's you have to supplement it. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it's going to come from food sources, or the, the or the impact will be so minimal you won't notice it yeah, in your blood, in your blood sense. work. Yeah, that makes so. sense. Um, so where do we leave off there? So prepping for the show, coaching. I want I want yeah. super cool about coaching. So how does that work? What does a coach do for you? Yeah, because like, it sounds. Sounds intense. So the like I said, I had used Adrian in town. So yep. great experience. My first show was awesome. Um, I knew that it was something I wanted to pursue, and I knew it was something I wanted to pursue at a high level. So um, there was an individual in town who said, you know what, Lisa, you want me to hook you up with somebody? I'll hook you up with somebody. And he was a pro-Canadian bodybuilder. He was incredibly intense. I consider myself a very <laughs> intense person. This guy took intensity to another level, but... I know you had talked about sort of my why and, uh-huh. you know, how did I get to this point? He imparted such a champion mindset on me mm-hmm. that I don't know I'll ever forget the lessons that he taught me. Mm-hmm. He's, we used to spend quite a bit of a time on the phone talking and he would take me through old stories of how he got to where he was in bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they were really long, but I did draw a lot of lessons. And after I won my pro card, because I no longer worked with him the last two years, I did reach out to him and message him. And I said, I wanted you to know that I won my pro card. And I also wanted you to know that everything you imparted on me, I've been able to give back and teach others. Nice. Because some of the lessons he taught me were so profound. Mm-hmm. So for me, my Achilles heel is being over emotional. Okay. Uh, because I'm putting so much into it, I can't help but turn the emotions off. Mm-hmm. So sometimes when you take pictures in the morning and you're sending it to your coach and maybe you're not seeing the progress you want, it can be quite devastating. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I've worked, I have busted my ass for the last two weeks and I lost half a pound. Mm-hmm. That can be devastating. Mm-hmm. You send those pictures and you don't see the progress you want. Mm-hmm. So, and I cry, I would be mad and I tend to be an emotional eater, I would say. Mm-hmm. And that was something I had to learn to shut off before I pursued bodybuilding. And that was what he said to me, Lisa, your Achilles heel will be your emotions Hmm. He said, the second that you can learn to turn those off, you will be a very successful bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. But until that time, it will get the better of you. That's for a lot of things too, with the emotions. Yeah. Uh, that's when, and especially when you're at a deficit, like you oh. said, your diet's deficit, right? And I heard you speak about that in past interviews. That's got to be the worst. Me, give me no food for four hours and I'm the hangriest, grumpiest two, person. Two hours. <laughs> really? Yeah, like I'm, we were eating on the clock with bodybuilding. And I would say at the two hour to two and a half hour mark, uh-huh. I, am, I have utilized that food. I am done. I need food. 
Mm-hmm. Like I need nutrients. My body needs something. Mm-hmm. And I'm, so I'm with you on that. And yes, when you're in a caloric deficit, I wake up in the morning and I have to drive my son to school. Mm-hmm. And I have to remind myself, this is a choice that I have made. Do not take it out on him. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare. Mm-hmm. And don't you dare take it out on other people around you. And, and does my personality change a little in prep? Yep. Am I a little bit like a robot? Because I had to be. I had to learn to do yes. that. Yeah. I would not be as successful if I kept the emotions in check mm-hmm. with the highs and the lows. Because that leads to to me to being an emotional eater. And when you make that connection with food or exercise and there's emotions in there... It's, it's too hard to separate it and become successful. Yes. You, I have to be a robot in prep. Yes. You know? I just came across that philosophy. It's, it's in a book about Marcus Aurelius. My friend mm. has tipped me off to his philosophies. And he, he practiced stoicism. And that was one of his main things he said to do was cut your emotions off. Mm. Because your brain will tell you to do something and it's a good idea. And then all the emotions will come in. The and fears, then the excuses. The excuses. Exactly. Yeah. Like, say something for this podcast, for example. Like, there will be a guest. I'll go, wow. That guest is mind-blowing. I want them on the show. And then I'll go, eh, five minutes later, I'll go, ah, they're pretty high-profiled. Ah, they'll ignore my call if I call them. Ah, it'll feel weird, you know? They come in. But when now when I think, hey, this person's great for the show, Lisa McClain, boom, message. You got and, and yeah, it, you have to shut it off. And that initial thought is like, it's confident. And then the, the feeling, so it, it's focused. The, so, yeah. the doubt creeps in. That's and with body willing, it's the second that any doubt creeps in, you're done. Yeah. And that's you're done. And you talk about that intensity to coach. And I've only won one gold medal in five years of uh, jiu-jitsu. And I, I'm not saying that in a bad light because I, I love it and I'm still progressing. It's it's an ongoing journey to reach that top again. But I had that coach at the time drive me to Winnipeg, who he was as intense as this guy you're talking about. It sounds like it because the whole drive eight hours, gold medal mindset was his 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 focus. Yeah. And if I even shared doubt, he'd be like, "Shut up." Stop. And Back Mike, to Goldman, and you're Mike, the best. Yes, he was you the know? same. I competed at my first nationals with him. Mm-hmm. And he called me the next day. And he's like, Lisa, what you did was great. Because I think I was... My first national appearance, I was ninth. What of, was that? That was in BC in okay. 2016. 20, 2017. Now, can I ask you a quick question yeah. before you get into that? Now, in Canada, is there like a governing... Because it's pro at this yes. point. So it, what what is that top stage called? What does it look yeah. like, that top so, stage? Right now, there's only two tiers in the Canadian bodybuilding. So it's Canadian Physique Alliance. There used to be three. It used to be a regional show and then a provincial show mm-hmm. and then a national show. Right now, there's only two. You have to do a local, like an amateur show. Mm-hmm. And then if you place top three, you go to the national level. Okay. Um, they're making it a little tighter and tighter. They did allow... They had some grandfathering at first because it did change. We used to have provincial governing bodies. Mm-hmm. Now there's one. If you want to compete with the IFBB, so the uh, the International Federation of Bodybuilding, mm-hmm. you have to qualify through either NPC in the States mm-hmm. or CPA in Canada, which is Canadian Physique Alliance. Okay. Um, and that's the national level. So they have right now three national level shows a year. Okay. So they have one in Toronto, which I won in 2019. They have one in Vancouver, which happens about a month and a half later in July. And then there will be one in October. Okay. So there's a pro, another pro qualifier coming up in October so that some athletes are getting ready for right now. Okay. So once you, you have to win your division, your class. So I had to win my height class. Mm-hmm. Then I was compared against other girls that won their height class and I had to win the overall Okay. to get my pro card. Gotcha. So with bodybuilding or even with bikini, sometimes there can be multiple height classes and you have to win the overall in order to get that pro card. 
So not only do you have to win your own class, you have Mm -hmm. to win the overall. Wow. Yeah. So yes, there is a governing body. So with my first nationals, I had placed third at provincials. So about a month and a half, two months later, I did my first national event. Mm -hmm. And we knew that I wasn't going to be top three. We just wanted me, we wanted my face to be there because that's the other thing with bodybuilding is you have to be immersing yourself in it. The judges want to see you and they want to see you come back and get better every time. Mm -hmm. So I was ninth out of, I think there's 17 athletes my first year. So that was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, I made, and I also won the most marketable award. So status fitness magazine, the editor in chief picked me out and he said like my demeanor and the way that I talk to other athletes and my positivity and then my stage presence all added up to me receiving that award. So it was pretty cool for my national, my first national experience. And so I got ninth and he, my coach called me the next day and he was like, okay, I want you to remember how you feel right now and how you're going to improve on it because whatever package you brought this time, you're able to do that much more. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just, you know, it wasn't just, okay, see you later. Great comp, you know, bye. Mm-hmm. It was what's next. Mm-hmm. He planted that seed right away mm-hmm. before the fire cooled off. Right. Before mm-hmm. you had any thoughts of maybe I won't do this any longer. I did good enough. You know, right? I hit a benchmark there. I yes. put myself out there. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. So he was great that way. Um, because there was a major distance. He lived in South Africa for a good chunk of when we, uh, I used him as a coach. Okay. So we used WhatsApp to communicate quite a bit. Um, and, and he was always available, but there was such a distance that sometimes the time change was weird. And so I knew that I wanted to use a female competitor who had been as lean as I wanted to be. Hmm. Smart. Sometimes it's a little bit different for men because hormonally women are so much different when bodybuilding, when it comes to bodybuilding. So I sought out a coach who I had seen and I had followed and I had been following on Instagram for quite a while. And every time she got on stage, she was shredded to the bone. Absolutely lean. Like you could see, you know, every single muscle fiber in her butt, every single muscle fiber in her legs. Mm -hmm. She got shredded. And I thought, that's it. She knows what it's like to be a female and get ultra lean. Mm -hmm. I'm going to work with her. She's kind of a no-nonsense, you know, even her posts were always, they weren't very fluffy. It wasn't about the sexism. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, you know, the sexual appeal of bodybuilding and being, you know, lean and showing off your abs and showing off your butt. It was never that. Mm -hmm. She's not that kind of person. It was actually about the sport of bodybuilding. She uh, works at a nutrition house in Belleville. And so I reached out to her and she was like, absolutely. I would love to work with you because she's a women's physique competitor. She had never, uh, I don't think to that point she had worked with any women's physique competitors. She had brought, she had turned a girl uh, pro in the figure division. So one division down from me. Okay. And as soon as I saw, I had actually reached out to her before that. And it was about two months after I reached out to her, she turned that girl pro. Hmm. And I thought, okay, she knows what it takes to take somebody to the pro ranks. Mm-hmm. So the first year, our package was really complete. And I was so focused that year. She didn't have to be on me for anything. Like I'm talking, it was like, Messages when I needed to check in, super direct, everything around like clockwork. She checked in with me. It was awesome. And then, um, and I completely trusted her. And that's the other thing about when you're picking a coach, mm-hmm. pick them and trust them because a half-assed plan mm-hmm. executed well is better than a well, uh, than a, than a, a perfect plan executed poorly. Yes. Right. Yep. So trusted her all in 100%. Then I just missed my pro card at that June competition. And honestly, the wind could have blown the other way and it could have been me that time. But I don't think I was ready. I think I needed to learn that lesson, that it wasn't just going to be a a cakewalk, right? Mm -hmm. 
So went back to the drawing board. And because that one was in June, there was another competition coming up in October. Okay. So I was going to dive in and do that one. And then mentally, I just couldn't get there. We had a couple summer trips planned. We had stuff with my son's football. And it just, I ended up pulling out. Then took a little break. And I wanted to do the Arnold's. So Arnold runs a competition. He, there's an amateur side to his show. There's a pro show, but there's an amateur side. So I started dieting in November. Dieting through the winter was absolutely awful for me. I hated it. The dark nights, the mm. cold, plus Depri- dieting and being starving. Enough. It was terrible. Yeah. So come January, end of January, I pulled out of that one. So this is two shows now that I've pulled out of. Mm-hmm. So took a little break, kind of maintained where I was at, made a really interesting social media post that I got a lot of really nice feedback from. And then came around that I was like, okay, Toronto's going to be coming up. And I started thinking about it. I'm like, Ugh, I just, my body's kind of tired at this point. And we had planned a family cruise for the end of March. Because I was originally going to do the Arnold's and then we were going to go on a trip. So... Went on the cruise and I thought to myself, and a girlfriend of mine had kind of planted the seed and said, okay, you could, you could do Toronto. Come on. I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I have it in me. Like I was just tired. So we left on the cruise and I thought if I can stay relatively on diet on this cruise, maybe I can pull it off. So (laughs) such an interesting place to try to stay on diet on a cruise. That's crazy. So I would manage to stay on diet probably 70% of the time. Um, on a cruise, they have to they have to create an environment where it's dietary needs for yes. that, you know individuals that have diabetes yep. or food intolerances. One night we sat down, I had salmon and quinoa, and it was like this beautifully portioned plate of salmon and quinoa. There was fish available at every buffet. There was that. amazing salad bars. They had a turkey carving station one night. All the protein and you could the clean carb sources you could get. Mm-hmm. So I stayed on diet. I got home and I thought, okay. I think I can do this. And I decided then that I was going to do it. And I had nine weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot less than the normal prep. That's a whole seven weeks less than you would normally do. And we just put the hammer down and we went hard. Mm-hmm. So Jenna was like, we made a plan and we just went all in. By the end of that prep, I was doing two hours and 15 minutes of cardio a day. Wow. What kind which of, is, and that's, I was also really mm-hmm. curious about that. What kind of cardio do you do? Like? I, I, for me, Walking in an incline works really well. Okay. I have a treadmill in my basement. So with having to drive my son to school, I can't get up and go to the gym. Mm-hmm. I can't physically be out of the house if my husband's on the road. Mm-hmm. So I have to do my cardio at home in the morning. So taking my incline to like a maybe seven, eight, cranking the speed and walking at an incline at a very high intensity. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doing a leisurely stroll, mm-hmm. but I'm taking my shirt off and I'm like, ring it out at the end. Like I'm getting pretty good, mm-hmm. a good cardio workout in. And then at night, sometimes stairs, sometimes the bike, sometimes just a walk again. Like if it's a leg day mm-hmm. and you're really feeling it, you're not going to get on the stair climber and you're not going to get on the bike. You're probably just going to walk it out. Mm-hmm. Cause at that point it's about input so if, or output. So if you're getting your heart rate high enough, you're probably so really, that. That's where I was kind of going with that question about cardio. It's really like, it's just output. Heart, it's just output. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether you're walking, running, yep. biking. It's just about how. Yep. how and running yeah. is terrible for your joints yes. as it is. Yeah. So we don't want the mus- musculature to break down anymore. So mm-hmm. we don't want to be running anyway as bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. Sometimes early on in your prep, you'll do a little bit of hit, like the high intensity cardio. Mm-hmm. So it might be sprints, mm-hmm. but it's kind of for a short period of time, and that's just to drive the heart rate up. Mm-hmm. So you could do sprints on the stair climber. You could do sprints on the bike if you wanted as well. I was listening to Doreen Yates talking. Yeah, he said he only does like ten minutes of cardio 
per session, but it's like insane. 10 to 15 minutes of like yeah. pure insanity, highest intensity you can go. Mm-hmm. And he said that that works for him now. But for when, him. He was, yeah, when he was competing, so. he used to do 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes at night. I've heard other bodybuilders talk about him. And mm-hmm. there are some big, like I'm talking Jay Cutler, who was like Mr. Olympia for I believe seven or eight years. And he would bust his ass on the stair climber for 45 minutes. And he weighs 230 pounds. Yeah, I'm like, well, I could probably do a little bit of stair climbing if that guy can do it. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, we had to go so high with my cardio. So, it was a lot. I've never gone that high with cardio. So, you two hours, two and a half? Two hours and four. So, I was doing 75 minutes in the morning and 60 minutes at night wow. on top of my weight training. Wow. And in a ridiculous deficit. People don't... That's something I had to congratulate you on and acknowledge because... People see these accomplishments often and they never see the grind, right? They never see the blood, the sweat, and the mm-hmm. tears of you at home for when you probably want, you're hungry and tired and you got life stresses and things going on and you're going, no. Nope, but it's I'm- funny that you say that, you know, they don't see it. But then I look at, like, I, I used as motivation a very good friend of mine lost a significant amount of weight. She got up every day at 5.30 and ran. And there was days where I did not want to get my ass out of bed. And I thought of my best friend, Lindsay. Nice. And I thought, she's not training for something specific, mm-hmm. but she's getting her ass out of bed and she's mm-hmm. getting the work done. Mm-hmm. And I told awesome. her that. I'm like, do you know how many times I used you as inspiration? That I knew that if I got up, that you were up too, busting mm-hmm. your butt on the treadmill? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to put myself at this pinnacle because I think there are so many incredible just moms and mm-hmm. athletes like yourself, individuals that do it for the love of their sport or, or even just to maintain the shape and the fitness level that they're in, they're sacrificing things, whether mm-hmm. it be sleep, time with their kids, or they're getting up at the crack of dawn so they can still get their kids to school on time. Mm-hmm. I think there are so many individuals that do it and do it well mm-hmm. that even athletes can take their cues from other individuals. You know, I see, I see that may not be accomplished in something specific, right? You see mothers with three children from the ages of 10 to three who that's insane. How much work that is. And yeah, they're still in shape at 45, That's right. which is crazy. But but then they choose something that suits their life. Mm -hmm. Like I know a girl who used to love to go to red zone because it was half an hour or 40 minutes in bust her butt get home and get the kids you know to school that's why because that worked for her yeah and that's interesting that and i want to get back to just reaching that pinnacle but it's so interesting what's popped up and i think it's so unique to thunder bay and so important having so much variety in gyms because it's really a isolated city there's a lot of winter and to have those red zones to have those unleashed fighting fitnesses to have those crossfits i don't know if sub zeros around anywhere all of them yeah all the places you got. You can get. You can tailor it to whatever you want it to look like. And that's on. I and mean, you pose that question to me, and you know why. Mm-hmm. My why is because I love the sport of bodybuilding. It might not be for the next guy, but find something that you love. Mm-hmm. You know there. Are, and, and you said that before. There's so many women that are succeeding in in the in weightlifting and different mm-hmm. aspects of sport in Thunder Bay right now in fitness because they're finding what works for them. Mm-hmm. Like right now training at Nexus and taking clients at Nexus, I am surrounded by females that are killing it in their industry. Yeah, touch on Nexus because yes. this is new, right? Yeah, so Kyle used to run Iron Performance, yeah, which so is near I, the Da Vinci. And I drive past her yes. to, to and from St. Elizabeth, my job, uh, every day. And I, I noticed. I'm like, hey, they're moving everything out. Where are they going? So what happened there? They're out of that building. They're out of they, that building. They ran into space. He was so successful and, and, wow. and they needed a, a, a bigger space. So they bought on the corner of Frederica and uh, Edward, and 
that gym is amazing right now. So the strongman competitors that we have in town, um, we have two individuals, Sam Bellavo, who is like number two in Canada. She just, just Canada's just happened last weekend. Number two in Canada from here. And she is a beast Mm -hmm. and a sweet, kind soul, but killing it in her aspect of sport. Mm -hmm. And then another individual, Max Boudreau, and he, I believe placed fourth. They just left for Spain yesterday for the Arnold's for, for, um, strongman. To be surrounded by them when you're training is incredibly inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, when that type of training is going on, when that mindset, when you're surrounded by like-minded individuals like that, how mm-hmm. can you not want more for yourself? Mm-hmm. Right? And Kyle himself, Kyle was a very high-level strongman competitor. Yes. yes. You know, so we do have some amazing individuals, especially females. If we were there last night, I looked around the gym, there was more women in the gym than there were men. Yes. And that's, is that your home for working out? Yes. And that's what I almost want to lead on the podcast about with that, but we'll touch on it right now because it wasn't necessarily focused about you, but about the community. And I noticed that post that you put and I loved it. And I'm going to touch on community and support, but I think it's getting back to, it's a philosophy and I have Ron Knutsky on next. He, he's Thunder Thunder Bay's top comedian. Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's an amazing child, uh, influence on children and stuff. But he has this philosophy with belonging, acceptance, self-esteem, and identity are the four components. That if you have those in your life, you're generally going to be happy. And I look at your posts that it's like you said, the girl who's not the physique competitor, who's the mom, who's doing a workout with you guys. And it's so awesome to see that that's available now. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about all these passions. If dance is your thing, go for it. We've got yes. dance studios everywhere. They've been here for it. They have cheer studios. They yes. have, you know, martial arts gyms. They have whatever. And you talk about fitness. They have theater, whatever, whatever your passion is. But the weightlifting scene is new for girls. That real high-level fitness scene. And it's so cool, in my opinion. And I get so inspired looking at you guys. Those girls, and I don't want to make that over general another stereotype, but girls sometimes, you know, it's it's a, it's a doggy dog world for a girl sometimes, you know, and it's so supportive to each other. And I think what I want, you know, when when individuals are coming to me and they're looking for personal training or they're coming into the gym, I want them to be doing it not just for the physical, yes, way you're going to look because of it. That's what I'm I, getting. Like I had a my aunt. I'm training my aunt. She just came to me. She's 57, mm-hmm. and she said yesterday, I just want to get stronger. That's what I want to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, you're going to look better along with doing that and, mm-hmm. and becoming more fit. But when women embrace getting stronger, mm-hmm. spectacular things happen. Mm-hmm. You feel better. Oh, yes. it's empowering for a woman, mm-hmm. you know, to do something like a deadlift where you're just picking up a weight off the floor. Mm-hmm. I have seen women walk away from that bar. And it's like a different light around them. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say deadlift because I was know? talking to this girl at, at Leading Edge and she said she was roughly 200, or close to 200 pounds and she's about 150 now. And I said, what was the big change? You know, she's a mother of several kids and that. She said, deadlifting. She said she just started deadlifting. It was exactly what you said. She just picking up real heavy weights. And I didn't know. And this, I, I don't know that much about what makes changes so much. But uh, apparently that just heavy what compound lifting made her so strong that the weight just started shredding so i mean the bottom line too is when you're when you're taxing the muscle like that that's output Mm -hmm. so i think what's what's important when we talk about bodybuilding as well as you see some individuals like well do you lose a bunch of strength at the end 
yeah, you get a little fatigued and you're tired, but what's really important is that you continue to lift really heavy because the output has to be there, mm-hmm. right? So when that individual, when she's deadlifting, she needs to continue to get better to tax the muscles and burn the calories mm-hmm. because when you contract a muscle under intense pressure like that, you're burning calories. Mm-hmm. So yes, when she's lifting heavy weights like that, mm-hmm. she's burning calories. Then not only is she burning calories, if she's increasing lean muscle tissue when she's at rest, mm-hmm. she's burning more calories. Mm-hmm. So the more lean muscle that you have, that tissue requires nutrients. That tissue requires blood. That tissue requires oxygen. Mm -hmm. So what's your body is having to work harder to supply those things to those muscles. So your body automatically is burning more calories when you're at rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our bodies are amazing like that. Yes. So you start putting weights on your body. You start gaining muscle, but then the additional benefits that are coming from that are so huge mm-hmm. i want to get back to nexus because yeah i just love this vibe in that community you guys have there because i touched on those core facets that i see making those changes in in the women and the people there and that community and support what does that mean to you wow it's a big big loaded question but yeah i saw those people cheering for you in that video and, mm. and that's awesome it's support it's a community and, and i think a lot of women don't have that as mm. soon as you become a mother sometimes too you're tucked away on your own at home with your children interesting thought that's an interesting perspective right? I, I know i felt it mm. you know maternity leave now is extended to 18 months and if you don't and you just talked about community you know if you don't go to mom groups and you don't go to those things with other individuals you're kind of secluded. You become a hermit. That's a strong And you're message. caring for your child. Yes. And if you don't have something like a gym community to go to, what do you have? Yes, you have your child, which is incredibly fulfilling and fills mm-hmm. you with love. But you need that empowerment. You need those like-minded individuals around you. Mm-hmm. And for me, because I could, es- I don't want to say escape, but when I was coaching cheerleading and I had my son at the young age, I would go there. And I'd come home with this refreshed brain mm-hmm. because I was around a bunch of individuals that were having fun, all these young girls, and we were working toward goals. And I'd come home and I think I would, I was a better mom. Mm-hmm. I've seen it's. I love that you touched right? on that because I've seen that and with then, in, in more cases yes. than not with mothers. Not yeah. I'm gonna throw the world there. Depression. I've yeah. seen people get real sad because they're just like, I lost my whole life. Like I and they love it. It's a selfless task, like you said. It fulfills you with love, but it's like. I have nothing for me now. Yes. Like no me. But that's, I think what you really, there was, there's this one lady that works out at Nexus and she's older. I don't know how old she is, but she just dropped her bag one day and we were chatting away and she's like, you know what? I don't want to go home right now. There's dishes to do and I'm just going to hang out for here for a little while. And you know, like she feels that comfortable at that gym that she just kind of wants to hang out after her workout. That's cool. Right? That mm-hmm. is the feel that you want when you go to a gym. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm guilty. When I worked out at Mavadi, Mavadi was where I did a lot of my training for the last couple of years. Like, you see the same people over and over. You know, that camaraderie, that, hey, how's it going? Those mm-hmm. chats after your workout. I hate work, I hate talking when I'm working out, yes. but I'm guilty of it myself. Um, but those, those people, I want to say, almost hold you accountable mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't see them. Where have you been? Yes. You know, you get those little grinds, <laughs> right? How many have been here? Yeah. And it was in just, like I talked about my cruise and there was the cruise ship staff actually used the gym on the ship. And I saw the same guys every night and I'm like, well, got to go tonight. They're going to be expecting me there. Mm -hmm. So even in a matter of five days, I created a little community Mm -hmm. at a gym on a cruise ship. Yeah. Right. Place where you belong. That's so cool. Um, Now through your experience, we'll we'll, we'll still get back to that pinnacle because I want to get to that. But so through Nexus, you're doing training, personal yes. training. 
that avenues open up for you. What do you, I don't want to give you an answer, but like, how do you approach a new client? Based on their goals or do you have something where you're like back to that uh, cheerleading where you're like, hey, no, your goals are there, but you need a butt kicking too. Or is it just tailored to their needs? How do you approach a new client? I think you have to take into consideration a few variables. What is their athletic background like? Mm -hmm. What are they looking to get out of it? And you need to consider, I do want to intake their goals, right? Mm-hmm. But I need to, there needs for me, progressive overload is going to be the, the biggest thing in a safe manner. And then I think mostly to be able to, for, as a selfish way, share my passion. If I can, if I can impart on other women, what weightlifting can bring to their lives, that's ultimately what I want for them, mm-hmm. right? They're seeking me out probably because they want to lose weight, probably because they want to get active. I've had, a, I, I recently did a promo called just learn to lift because I think what a lot of moms, what a lot of women happens as you go to the gym and you think everybody's going to be looking at me if I don't know what I'm doing on this machine. Um, and they would just rather not. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had a mom, she's, she's, I believe 29. And then she said to me, she's like, I would go to fit for less, but I would go there and I, there was nobody to ask. And I would just kind of sit on a machine. I would kind of look at the description on how to use that that one machine. She goes, and then I'd kind of maybe maybe do it. And then I'd probably go to the treadmill. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to look stupid, right? Yes. And so when they're coming to me, they're coming to me because right now, probably they want to learn how to weightlift. Mm-hmm. And then, but along with learning the machines and along with learning how to weightlift properly, there's going to be some strength gains. There's going to be some confidence built. Mm-hmm. There's going to be... Ultimately, I don't want to train that individual for five years. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to train them for a short period of time, six months to a year, mm-hmm. to a point where they can walk into a gym with confidence and do their own thing. I like that. And lead their own workouts, mm-hmm. right? Or help others. Maybe they can bring a friend along and say, hey, I learned this really cool thing from my trainer. I want to show you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's, I think, the ultimate goal is to be able to provide women enough knowledge and enough confidence to be able to walk into a weight room on their own. Taught you that'll yeah. like teach the fisherman, teach yes. the kid how to fish kind of thing. Huh? Yes, um, and it's interesting. And you even saying that, I see a lot of people, and it, it, it kills my soul sometimes where they're getting discouraged, like you said, yes. because their body has hit a homeostasis in their workout. I know girls who go to the gym, and they're like, I do a half an hour on the treadmill, I did the machines, blah, blah, blah. I did all this, and I'm not losing weight, I'm not getting gains, I'm not seeing it. And it's that body, huh? it it regulates pretty fast. Oh, yeah. Very fast. So, And that's why that progressive overload has to happen. That's what I want to teach them too, right? Like I had, I had the weight at a certain um, pin on the machine for one of my individuals. And I'm like, okay, I want you to do 10. She only got to five. And she's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't apologize. Bodybuilding is built on failing. Mm-hmm. You have to. The, we want the muscle to go to failure. Mm-hmm. So I just take that pin. I drop it down and do your next five. It's not failing. Mm-hmm. It's not discouragement. That's it. That's what we want. We want to push your muscles to the point where it's tired, mm-hmm. right? It's not about making it easy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the other aspect that individuals have to realize that in order to get strong, you are going to have to fail from time to time mm-hmm. to push those muscles beyond where they want to go. Right? Yes. And uh, I, I, I'm touching on working out. I love it because the stress relief, I feel like the body, we, we talked about this on one podcast where I had with Aaron May, the body goes into parasympathetic a lot. Mm-hmm. The, the lifestyles we live with, the noise, the phones, the mm-hmm. the, the chatter, the caffeine, the poor diet, the sugar. 
our bodies are in reaction a lot, you know, the amygdala's, amygdala's getting overloaded. And when you work out and grind and get that stress where you feel like a rock is crushing you, it, it really feels different. And that's, I think, I, 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 wish, I wish everyone could feel that when you, when you do a great workout and you get finished with a pump and I have an cried endorphin. after a leg workout, not from the pain, from the, the happiness. How good it feels, huh? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And especially doing it with a friend and seeing that individual walk out of the gym or both dying, sweating, you know, can barely walk to our car and it feel like everything falls away when I'm at the gym. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I imagine you're the same with jujitsu. Yes. I know I was the same with martial arts and cheerleading. You walk into that dojo or you walk into the gym where cheerleading was happening or I walk into a weight room. All my problems fall away. Yes. That's what everyone says. And that's a passion. I need that. If I didn't lift, I would be a crazy person. Mm -hmm. It's an absolute, I don't want to say it's an escape, but it is my place to go Mm -hmm. where it's just me, just my music. How hard can I push? What's the next thing I can achieve? Can I really break my body enough? You know, Mm -hmm. and that's exactly it. I just did the most intense leg workout last night with Amy Slumko, Mm -hmm. um, who runs the women's only area at Nexus. Nice. So there is a woman, and that's the thing. Some women yeah, find touch it, on that. we said, intimidating, yeah. right? And so she does have her own little space in the back of the gym where if an individual is coming, she really doesn't feel comfortable on the floor where they're men, we can take them and tuck them away until they get that confidence level, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So you, there's no prying eyes. There's no, you know, mm-hmm. you take all that away. You take all those barriers away and it's just you. Mm-hmm. which is lovely. And cool. and that was something that Amy felt incredibly passionate about. Female empowerment is what she's all about. And so her and I tackled a leg workout together last night. And I'm talking blasting, you know, 90s rap music and just having a great time, but absolutely destroying our legs while we're at it mm-hmm. and pushing each other and knowing that we're there for each other in that pain and and trying to attain that next level of, of our physique. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very cool too because I was I was thinking about this today when for I took my dog for a morning run and I was just thinking about this podcast coming up and suffering and and the cause and effect of suffering and happiness and so much in our lives we look to the happiness first and then the suffering follows so say like alcohol you know there's nothing wrong with I'm not trying to say alcohol is anything well there is a lot wrong with it but anyways a lot of us look for the high first and then the low comes later mm-hmm. versus searching the low which is the pain the suffering like that and then you get the reward of the high after which so it's, it's very funny that you said that so i um i look at bodybuilding and a lot of people i think a lot of they don't look at it as normal it's a little bit abnormal you know it has a little bit of an underground cult following is there judgment that comes along with it <laughs> by that look i'm taking a yes yeah i would say you know i've been i've when I did win, it was posted in the Chronicle Journal and it was shared on Facebook. There were some negative comments. There was an incredible amount of congratulations yes. and people acknowledging the type of hard work that... And then there was a couple females that said, oh, she looks like a man. Mm. Her muscles are too big. You know, the judgment that goes along with it. And then judgment that goes along with the, well, you can't come out and drink or, you know, you, you oh, you, we're not going to invite you because you can't eat. Well, yeah, I probably would say no anyway. But it's funny that you said self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. and sacrifice in general. And I actually pulled up a quote from a guy that coaches women's physique athletes, and I just wanted to quickly read it yeah, because it. I think it encompasses bodybuilding so well with um, the sacrifice, but what those sacrifices can lead to. So what he actually said was, um, 
just want to make sure that I get it correctly here. Sorry, Mark. Oh, no, that's okay. It says, so the average person thinks we're nuts, hours in the gym, food deprivation, discomfort for weeks on end. From an outsider's point of view, it's an odd blend of masochism and, and vanity. What's not easily seen? Self-discipline is far from self-denial. On the contrary, scarcity helps increase the pleasure of most things. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. So you just said the low with the high. Yes. Right? So we're putting, yes, there, there's, there's scarcity that goes along with the food, but that means that we just enjoy those good foods that much more when we do get them. Self-discipline is self-development. Mm-hmm. No one becomes awesome without, without some intelligent sacrifice. And the last last point here is he said, work is a gift and a key to success. Work is what will help you become what you want to be. The harder you work, the luckier you get. Exactly. So I think that really sums up bodybuilding because everybody does see it as so many sacrifices for us. And and it does look incredibly vain. And and But if you were honestly suffering that much just to look that way, you would never stick it out. Because mm-hmm. it's not just for the, the, the look outcome. Yeah, we want to look as best as we can because we're being judged. Mm-hmm. We're standing, you know, you're standing in, on a stage in front of thousands of people in, your, in a bikini or in a thong for the guys. Like, they're wearing these tiny little, you know, trunks. Mm-hmm. And if you did it just because of the looks, you would never make it to the end. Mm-hmm. You'd tap out far, far before 100%. that. 100%. Yes. You know, it's it's to seek. How can I, how hard can I push? How much can I suffer? And have I been perfect for every single one of my preps? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Have I caved and had cheat days when I shouldn't have and treats when that's I absolutely... I was going to ask you that too. Cause yeah. Because uh, prepping for a, a jiu-jitsu tournament when you have to be very disciplined because you want to win. You want to put the best performance on. You know, and usually about two months out, I start getting, you know, more disciplined and more focused. But there's those days where I'm like... You know, I want to eat this or I want to have this. You've had a particularly hard this. workout. And yeah, yeah. And you want to do something and then you do it. But I, I don't know if you're the same as me, but I'm so hard on myself because I'm thinking the competitor's not doing it. The person who's going to get gold but that's what keeps isn't me on doing this, sometimes. right? There are, yes. Maybe it, the more times I deprive myself of that, whatever, call it what you will, the more times I deprive myself of that, the better chance I have, which is so once you brought, what was getting back to the stage thing? Because that's what I want to hit the climax with this that feeling what was it to you winning that what what came from that i don't even know if i can really or was that even wrap my head around it's it's still so fresh i mean i'm like four months away from when i actually won right and and i had two pros say to me take some time and enjoy being the champ nice and I was like, yeah, okay. You know, like you roll your eyes at first. Like I'm, I wanted to hop in and do another pro show. I wanted to do my pro debut in Vancouver five weeks later. And I ended up not because the the pressure was just too intense for me. It got to me a little bit. Um, my body was rebounding a little bit hard. It was, I was, I was not liking how I was looking. And so we just decided not to, but that was, that stuck out to me afterward was like, take some time and enjoy being a champ. Mm-hmm. Look around, look at what you worked for. Mm-hmm. And I've had some pros say to me, like, just message me and say, remember, you're a pro now. You get to carry that around for the rest of your life. So cool. Like, I can always and forever say that I was a pro bodybuilder, That's, you know? Yes. And, but then at the same time, that weird little part of your brain goes, but what's next? Yeah. Because that's what we do, right? Back. So that's, that's the last, the last, last question is what's left. What's next for Lisa McLean? Yeah. So the pro stage 
and and proving that right. I belong on the pro stage. So with with pro competitors, so amateur shows, you don't all you win is a trophy. You win you, you potentially win your pro card. Once you get into the pro circuit, there's different tiers. So if you win a pro show, you qualify for Olympia. Okay. If you win a pro show, typically you win money. Sometimes it's like two grand, three grand. The guys' purses are sometimes a little bit bigger, um, and you qualify. And then certain shows have different point systems. So if you get second, third, fourth, or fifth, you accumulate points, and that can also get you to Olympia. So I mean, that's the ultimate pinnacle: is qualifying for Olympia. <laughs> is it a long shot for sure? Is it written down in one of my books? Yep, right and. I know the aspects that I need to work on in order to get to that next level. I know. I have to be leaner than I was. Like, as, as lean as I was, there is another, another level of leanness there. There is. Something really hit me, too. I, I saw your interview, and it, it blew me away. Just how much harder women have it sometimes, in all senses. Like, when you're like, you know, the men, bigger, better, you know, tighter, faster. It's, it's pretty clear cut. Women, it's like, bigger, better, stronger, faster, leaner, cutter shapelier feminine yeah not don't feminine. forget to be feminine don't yeah, forget don't to smile forget, don't forget to dance don't forget your you know, earrings looks, and your bracelets you know, and, it's, and it's, yes it's it's it's, a, it's not a woman's world it's it's but it's it shows the much more power to the women that they have that and they still show up which is so and cool. for us to get ultra lean is a lot is a lot different because estrogen stores mm-hmm. um is what keeps that fat film on the back of our legs and on our butts and our hips and stuff so for women's bodies to get as lean as a male's body it just requires that much more it really does um those guys suffer do not get me wrong the guys at the pinnacle they are coming in absolutely shredded and they're suffering like these guys probably aren't even sleeping because they're so hungry for us to get there we the manipulation that has to happen with food and cardio and it I don't even know. I, I would like to say I can get there. I don't know if my body can do it. I really don't. Mm-hmm. You won't know until you get there, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's where having the right coach that you trust, being in the right spot to, spot to start, and it's it's so many variables that have to add up to get to that. So um, that's the next pursuit. When like, is that? When is Olympia? It just happened, actually. So it just happened okay. last weekend. Okay. So they were just, just awarded um, the best of the best in the bodybuilding industry, and... I would say that, you know, that's my long-term goal, four to five years, would be to qualify for Olympia. It would take everything in me. With your pro um, card, did you not already qualify for Olympia because no. you got your pro card? No. So I get, you get your pro card and you compete on the pro status okay. or the pro circuit, pro but circuit. that is it. Okay. So it gives you pro status. It gives you the right to register with the um, International Federation of Bodybuilding. Okay. And then pro shows happen all over. There's Puerto Rico, Portugal, Hawaii. There is... Um, Arnold Australia like they're everywhere um with the Arnolds you typically have to be invited so you have to have kind of made an impact on the pro stage at some point you have to apply and then they accept you or not okay but there's other pro shows that you can just register for Mm -hmm. so there's Toronto Vancouver drivable ones for us would be there's one in Omaha there's also one in Chicago there is um, a couple in Florida some in California so you just pick a couple that are within the space of each other that you can compete, 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 and try to accumulate enough points mm. or win one of them. Mm. Now, because, I mean, there's there's a lot, but there's not that many. But you've won one now, right? No. So that was an amateur show. So it was a pro qualifier. Pro qualifier. Pro qualifier. So I gave you your pro card. Yes. Gotcha. So now an actual pro show, mm. I would That's have to win. So step. last year at the Toronto Pro Show, there was 34 women in, in the division that I'd be in. 34 of the best of the best in the world are showing up. Mm. So to win that show... 
and qualify for Olympia is very difficult. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, not about bringing me. And, and when you talk about winning those types of shows, not only do you need to be a great bodybuilder, genetics plays a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they're just rewarding a taller girl. They just happen to like the look of a taller girl that that day. Mm-hmm. It depends on who's on the judging panel, right? So genetics does play a large part of it with, with bodybuilding mm-hmm. as well. So yes. not that you don't want to try because you may not think you have the genetics. You just have to work that much harder to, to overcome some of those barriers sometimes if genetics isn't in your favor. So, so where's your next show? I haven't picked oh, one yet. you haven't picked one yet. No. So the future is open. For so this is a good off season right now for me. I, I probably need to grow my legs a little bit. Like there are some pro females that are getting on stage. They're shredded at 149. I weighed in at 125 on stage wow. this year. So some of these women have 25 pounds more muscle uh-huh. than me on stage. Okay. So it's it's a different level, right? You're, you're, you're leveling up. What was nice at Olympia was there was a physique that was, I would say, comparable to mine. She's a much shorter status girl. She's probably five feet, five one. Um, and she probably has a little bit more muscle than me, but it was nice to see a short girl in the top five, in the top 10. Hmm. Because some of the physiques that were on the stage this year are tall. They're, those girls are probably five six to five seven, and I height in at five foot. So that's, I, I kind of see your methodology a little bit, how you compete. It's like you look at what's out there. Oh, yeah. And then you're like, all right, that's where my avenue is. Because you. Put, there's an old saying, put the aces in their places. Don't try to yep. be something you're not, right. right? So you know what you're acing at. And, and you have to play to your strengths too. When you're on stage, you need to know what poses look good for you. Yes. You uh, Posing is such a huge part, like the presentation piece of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. And you, t- you talk about guys all the time, um, male bodybuilders, they know exactly how to pose for their body. Mm-hmm. For their body. You have to. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. to be able to present your best package. I'm not going to pose like the girl beside me if she's five feet or, you know, five, seven. And she's seven inches taller than me because poses that look good on her are probably not going to look good on me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do a different foot placement. I'm going to turn my leg a little bit different, right? I'm going to angle my upper body a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, and there's, there is tricks of the trade to do that, right? Gotcha. So there's, there's focuses for the off season for me, which is bigger shoulders, um, a little bit of a bigger back and probably bigger quads. So, so where could people for this next part of your journey? Yeah. Cause I feel like we've touched on a lot which has been so awesome i have a great content here where can people follow you to look follow your progress and follow yeah. your uh your so instagram is probably where i post the most yeah. i try to i try to be pretty active depending on how busy i am um i would like to start using social media even more though to mm-hmm. to shed light on bodybuilding and my my own um bodybuilding journey but um i am on instagram mclean underscore mcfit underscore ifbb pro Okay. Um, or you, I'm sure you can search my name and I would come up just Lisa McLean yeah. um, I am on Facebook I have a fitness page as well that I try to share um, for my clients so if you're looking to actually get personal training you can do that that way as well nice. um, and yeah or you can just call Nexus or show up at Nexus and there will be a trainer that would be happy to help you either myself or any of the other female trainers if you're looking for a female trainer um, and what are the hours of Nexus? Uh, 5.30 in the morning until 12 o'clock at night wow yeah. So they hit you at so, all times. I mean, we understand that there's people that work shift work and still want to be able to get into the gym. So, yeah, it's pretty uh, it's pretty uh, easy for anybody to get in there around those times, right? You can fit a workout in. So, sure. um, yeah, and I know that we had kind of touched on um, other individuals that have helped sponsors, me get to where I am. Yes, and sponsors yeah. and shout-outs. So, um, obviously, Nexus, because Kyle has embraced me as an athlete and said he would try to help me out as best he can with, uh, with getting to that 
that goal of Olympia. And then last year, I was fortunate enough to have a sponsorship through Absolute Touch and Tanning, who is the Canadian um, tanning and hair and makeup company. So when I traveled to uh, the Toronto Pro last year, my tanning hair and makeup was covered. And for a female, those expenses can be upwards of about $700. So that one I was very, very, very um, thankful to have from Absolute Touch. And then Popeye Thunder Bay. Nice. So I am an ambassador for Popeyes and I'm soon, I believe the date will come out sometime in October. I'm going to be doing some demos. So I'm also working for a supplement company, a Canadian company called Nutribolics. So Nutribolics and um, I'll be doing a demo. So if you're looking for supplements, come and see me. I'll post that date on my Instagram. That's going to be in October, you said? Yes, it'll be in October. So I want everybody to come and see me and I'll give you some free samples and, and that's pretty much it. Awesome. That's more than pretty much it. That was awesome, (laughs) Lisa. Honestly, it's great what you're doing. This was. I really appreciate the invite to be here as well. So awesome. Thank you so much. Great.